Greetings and welcome to the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. If you're new to the show, this is a long-form podcast where I sit down with guests and we just have a conversation. Now, these conversations are not scripted. They are raw and real. There's no editing. So wherever they go, they go. So hopefully you guys will enjoy the conversations as much as I know that I will. Today's episode is brought to you by nobody. Because let's be honest, nobody likes to hear ads. We all just put up with it because we think we have to. Well, you know what? I decided let's not do that for the time being and see how we get along. So let's get into what we all came here for, the actual episode. All right, folks, today we finally have back with us Mr. Josh Judy. Now, Josh had been traveling for work quite a bit and hasn't had time to come back on until now. And actually, uh, this weekend, I just got back from uh, his induction into his college hall of fame at Indiana Tech for obviously pitching. Uh, it, was, it was very fun to be there uh, with him. It was, a, it was a great time. It was a very great honor to be able to be present and, and watch that happen. It was definitely very cool. And uh, during this episode, we got into, um, well, his really his professional career. Because the last time we were on, obviously... Uh, Josh was a, a pitcher for the Indians. Uh, he was on episode number 79. If you have not listened to that episode, stop this one, go back, listen to that one, and kind of get caught up because we kind of talked about his earlier career and then making his pro debut. And then this this podcast, we're going to talk about his career as a professional and all the uh, trials and tribulations and different things that he had to go through. It was a fascinating conversation. I was riveted. I, I found myself on the edge of my seat. Even though I know the end of the story, I was still like, oh my goodness, he's, he's doing it. He's going to get his shot. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was lots of fun. I, uh, I definitely really enjoyed this one, and hopefully you guys will as well. I'm going to stop rambling, let you guys get right into the episode. So please, sit back, strap in, and enjoy our conversation. Greetings and welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hess, and today we have back with us, after a little bit of a layoff and uh, by popular demand, Mr. Joshua Judy. Hey, man. How's it going, man? It is going well. Can you pull that mic just a touch closer to your mouth there? And uh, for, not, not that close. Wow. <laughs> Smartass. And uh, for, for those of you who have not listened to Joshua's, Josh's, uh, first episode it was number 79 i do believe yes it was number 79 and uh, we talked about uh his kind of backstory leading into becoming a professional uh mlb pitcher for the cleveland indians and we got up to the point of his major league debut and that's kind of where we stopped it so before you listen to this one stop go back listen to that one so you can get all caught up on kind of where we're at now um, as I know that this one has been pretty anticipated for me, I know like we've been traveling for work and everything else. We've just kind of been missing the schedule for this one, which, which happens, but I've, I've had a bunch of people kind of reach out to me like, Hey, when are you going to have him back on? I want to hear more of his story. That was so cool. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's pretty slick, especially the fact that it's even like the local team, the Cleveland Indians, like a lot of the people around here, you know, are, are always fans because they, they grew up here. So they just, they suffer with everybody else together. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. We've been, uh, trying to get our schedules to, to coordinate and, um, coincide so we could come back and uh, get this thing rolling absolutely all right well 
Uh, from the last time, can you think of anything that we covered? Maybe you forgot to mention or you wanted to inject that in there from maybe like your early years or through college and then playing like semi-pro, getting up into the pros. Is there anything that you wanted to kind of address with that and maybe retouch on or are you good to go with all that? I think that um, my path was just a little bit different than what you see or what you hear like in the media and whatnot. I made a stop at every minor league affiliate through the Indian system. Whereas a lot of times they'll draft somebody in the first five rounds or first rounders. They'll make go to, to, to short season, but they're more than likely going to low A or high A, double A, triple A, big leagues, or they skip over levels and go right to the big leagues. But you kind of had to grind it out and kind of go through all the different levels and prove that you were good enough to be there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Getting drafted so late in the 34th round, you know, oh, it's kind of more of them taking a chance on you. Like, yeah, we'll see if he develops, right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So, you know, the path was just a little bit different where I had to spend, okay, X amount of days here, months. And, like, the goal was always to finish a level above where you started. Yes. So, that's kind of the, the pathway that I took or was on with yeah. the Indians. Interesting. Okay. All right. So, we've obviously covered up to the point of your major league debut. And we've covered kind of how that was and the thrill and the rush and everything else. So how did things go after that? Did, they, did you like, I assume it's not like, oh, I just fell into a groove and all the guys love me and now I'm part of the team. I'm sure there's lots of struggles and hardships with all of that, especially making it in the big leagues, proving that you deserve to be there. Right. And it was just, um, it, it, it was an up and down. I became their shuttle car, essentially. I don't where, know what that means. Explain that. So. I would so when you get put on the forty man roster, uh, they're only allowed twenty five man in the big leagues, but they have their reserves that are down in triple A, double A, or wherever a part of that forty man roster. They can call you up and send you back down as many times as they want, and they use what they call options that only uses one option. So I became their their shuttle car where I was going back and forth between AAA and the big leagues, and I did that seven times throughout the year. So when you're there, when you're going back and forth like that, obviously that's to keep you active so that you're learning and growing and progressing and doing all those kind of things. So you're not just sitting there and not getting to pitch and do the things you need to do to stay sharp. Um, but does that mean that you're not a pro then if you're going back down like or how does that actually work as a classification no so you're you're professional even in triple a because you're getting paid to play okay so even when i first got drafted that's when i became a professional that's professional baseball you got paid to play oh so you are i'm thinking you're only really professional once you make it to the major leagues once you're on the big right league. and that's a like a big misconception like a lot of people don't realize that in the minor leagues you're a professional because you're getting, you're getting paid. paid. I mean, you're getting paid peanuts, obviously. Compared but, to the big leagues, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, but going back and forth, like it really just kind of messes with you sometimes. You don't really understand like your your worth or your what your role is when that's happening until much later until you get older. <laughs> okay. So what did that do for you at the time? Like, go, like how did that mess you up? going back and forth um, for the like majors and minors right there. And like, what has that changed into now that you've gotten older and a little bit more perspective with all that? How does that, how does that change your view? Um, during that time I was young, 
So I was frustrated. Like, hey, I belong here. You're yeah. calling me up. Like, I've worked hard. Uh, I've worked for all these different levels. Like, I deserve to be here. What exactly, the shit? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I'm going up. I'm I'm doing well at the time. And then yet you send me down because you don't have a, a spot or a roster spot or, or a move. Like, every time I had to go up and down, they had to make roster moves in order for that to happen because you can only keep 25. So... It, it really just kind of was frustrating. Yeah. Obviously, it's them trying to play the game, mm-hmm. trying to have a full roster and have the best people they can, but also still keep you active and playing and not just sitting around. Right, right. So, like, guys would go on the injured reserve list or what back then it was called the designated list, the DL list. Um, you know, somebody gets hurt, whatever, then they, you, you get called up. Uh, I remember one time getting called up. Didn't even pick up a baseball all day. I arrived to the stadium in Columbus, Ohio, was told, hey, you're active tonight. You need to drive right now to Cleveland, pack my locker up, get in a car, drive two hours north, get there just before the game starts, and sit in the bullpen. I'm active. I'm there and didn't pitch. I get called into the office. Hey, we're going to send you back down. You know, some so, so, so they literally brought you up to pitch and then didn't pitch you, right? And then sent you back down. Now, what would a normal day look like for you, whether it be training or for a game? I, I assume you're going to be throwing a lot of pitches to kind of stay loose and work on things or whatever it is that you're doing as part of your training. Sure. So, like a typical day, I would get to the stadium, um, you know, kind of early, like two o'clock, um, like one thirty, two o'clock. You kind of get all your prep work done, stretching, that kind of thing, to prepare yourself to go out and practice because you practice before batting practice. Uh, we would throw, you long toss, you do your running, um, you're on a strict program, and then you have to um, – Is it is it individualized for everybody for what they need, or is it just like a general thing? It's uh, individualized based on position. Okay. Um, so pitchers are always grouped together. Position players are grouped together because our days are different. Their grind is different, um, where ours is more geared towards keeping our bodies fresh, keeping our legs fresh, and, and our arms fresh because we're always throwing. Yeah. We're always, always, always throwing. Um, so you do that, and then you have to shag BP, what they call shagging BP. The hitters are taking batting practice. You're in the outfield running around, catching balls, throwing them back in. Um, and then you go back into the, the locker room. You eat, um, you sit around, play cards, you just do something to pass the time while the other team is doing their stuff. The visiting team is doing their stuff with their batting practice and practice. How long is this lasting? A few hours? Yeah, or? a few okay. hours. Um, so if I got to the f- the stadium at 1, one thirty for a 7 o'clock game. Sometimes get there earlier. Sometimes you know about that about that time. And I assume about half of the time is for each of the teams, right? Exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. So then – you know, then you start preparing for the game about six o'clock, an hour before the game. You start getting your mind right, getting everything uh, in order and to go out there and uh, sit and watch a game. <laughs> because for me, I was in the bullpen, you know, back into the bullpen. So my day didn't really Because you weren't start. a starting pitcher, right? You were more of a right. closer. I was a closer. So my day didn't typically start like really mentally until about the fifth inning. Then I started. Now, would you have an idea of when they might pitch you like on – 
um, certain days maybe, or maybe even like a certain score. A certain score. Hey, if, if we get to this kind of score, I might actually get in. Or if we're blowing them out, they're not going to use me. Why waste you know, the closing arm? Why, why not save it for another game where you might need it? You're or, absolutely right. So like in, in a closer's role, it's three runs or less. So if you're tied and or up by three runs or less, then that's your opportunity to go in and get what they call a save. Okay. Um, and then same with their with the eighth inning guy with the setup man. Same situation. He's just getting a hold instead of a save. Um, but same type of situation. So the eighth and ninth, you you kind of know. Hey, the team you know is getting blown out. I'm probably can check out just a little bit mentally, unless you know something happens. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like if if it's three runs or less, that you're, it's go time. Okay. All right. Now, when you got called up, was this like beginning of the season, mid-season, end of the season? So, I made my debut May 22nd, I believe. May 22nd, 2011. Um, and then went up and down throughout the season, throughout the rest of the year, seven times. But I was there for the month of September. Okay. Is that like the the big time? I don't know much about baseball. I'm sorry. So That's is fine. that like the big playoff time and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So or? it's at the it's at the end of the year. So then when when you get to September 1st in the big leagues, they can expand their rosters to 40. Oh, okay. So, so now they can keep you full time exactly. without having to play their little games of sending you down and bringing you up and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Exactly. And then what was also kind of not not frustrating, but um tough mentally was not knowing your role when you were in the big leagues because they already have their setup man their closer um those guys are are contract guys they they paid them a lot of money to be there those are their situations so i might come in the fourth inning i might come in the fifth i might come in the sixth the seventh or the eighth or ninth if you know cleveland's blowing somebody out or getting blown out like it was really, really tough to know, okay, I prepare my myself for, for closing in the minor leagues, but in the big leagues, I have to be ready basically pitch one. Okay. So it, it, was, it was a lot different. Now, I assume that that is different mentally, but your preparation and everything else would still be the same, right? Because whether you come in and pitch an inning at the eighth or ninth inning to save the game or you pitch it in the fourth or fifth to, you know, Obviously, keep them from uh, getting any any hits or scores or runs or whatever, shutting them out or whatever it is is called in bloody baseball. <laughs> I, uh, I I assume it's the it's the same idea, but you just got to be mentally more turned on and focused, right? Yeah, and and I I couldn't do that. It was it was really tough for me to do that. I could stay mentally engaged. Not saying that that didn't happen, but the situations are just different when the game is on the line. And you know your role versus not knowing your role and getting thrown into the fire, essentially. But wouldn't it be the same kind of idea? Like, I want to go out and I want to pitch a shutout so that we can walk off the inning. We'll be good. Maybe I'll come out the next inning. Maybe I won't. But I'm going to go out there and just throw fire and just do my thing. Right. Like, wouldn't it be the same kind of idea? But you struggle with that. Yeah. So it is the same idea and the same concept. It's, it's hard to explain when you're on the field. The situation's different. Okay. Because there's so much left of the game? Yeah, because either there's so much left of the game or the game is lopsided or what have you. Like That's why you see it if you, if you follow baseball and you'll watch closers throughout a season, 
when they're in their situation, when it's three runs or less and then they have a save opportunity, that's when they're their best. Okay. When they come in to, let's say they have a few days off because they didn't, um, it wasn't their situation and they have to get some work and they're throwing in a game that, you know, they're up six or seven runs. Oh, so I see what you're it's saying. It's totally like not their okay, situation. No. So when they go in, it's like, oh no, now they give up a one or two runs and they're not as sharp because it's not. They're not as focused as they would be at it's, the end of the game. No, yeah. that makes perfect sense now because I, I didn't think about it in that aspect. Because I'm thinking about it like, okay, well, it's my job to go in there and give them the heat, like your crazy curveballs or whatever it is that you do, <laughs> like do your thing, right, and just fuck everybody up. Right. But it's like that makes sense though. Like if you guys maybe are smoking them or getting your asses whooped, and you haven't really gotten a chance to go in and be that closer, but you still need to get in and get work done. That makes sense. Like, okay, we'll just get in there and do your thing. Like, well, it's not my time. Why would I want to go in now? Like, I could right. see that messing with your head a little. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So it, it was, it's just hard to explain. Like, the, and you'll watch it. And even with, um, with some position players are like that, like going in, being a pinch hitter and knowing their role. Like, oh, that's got to be such a tough thing. Yeah. Like coming off the bench cold and then they got to go in and, and get a bunch of down or something. You, you got to do be... what you're going to do automatic every time. Yeah. It's crazy because I, I follow, um, college volleyball. I love college mm-hmm. volleyball. And I've been watching a lot of Nebraska. I, lo- I love Nebraska. And they, they've got some serving specialists where they won't play the whole game. You know, because there's only so many subs. Now, granted, right. there's tons of subs in women's volleyball. <laughs> they're, they're always in and out. There's actually a lot less in men's college volleyball, which is cr- – those guys are crazy. Oh, my gosh. Dude. Yeah. The national championship last year, if you've not watched that, like the last four games, like the final four, whatever it is, do yourself a favor right. and go watch. Holy shit. <laughs> there's some killers in that. Um, but, like, they'll bring in these serving specialists at the end of the game. It's 24-24. It's a tie ball game, got to win by two, and they bring. They haven't played the whole time. They got to come in, and they're expected to serve two aces cold right, right off the bench. And it's like, ooh, that'd be tough because it takes a while to get into your rhythm. It takes exactly, time, exactly. So to, to have to like do those kind of and specialty to feel the positions, rhythm of the game when yeah. you're in the game, it's different. Because like I, I know me, like when I, I I've been uh, taking up golf again, trying to get myself back in. I started taking lessons, realized that if I want to get better. I need to get a good coach like anything else. I've been trying mm-hmm. to do it myself for a couple of years. And it's not been working. It's like, okay, I need to get a coach and go out and do these kind of things. And it's interesting because like when I go out and play, I don't do what I should do. I don't get there early. I don't get a small bucket of balls. I don't get my irons warmed up and work on my chipping and then go to the putting green and kind of get dialed in like you hear of a lot of the pros doing. Because right. like, I've only got a couple of hours. That's a long game in the first place. So yeah. you get there and you're most of the time having fun with friends and stuff anyway. It's not like it's super important. Hey, you might put a few on the green I mean, just maybe to, to kind of get the speeds, but that's about as much as it's going to exactly. go. But I don't feel good until about the sixth or seventh hole. Yeah. Like that's when I kind of loosen up and it's like, okay, now I feel like I'm in, in this. And it's like, <sighs> I don't like those specialty positions. Where you just got to come out off the bench and perform is holy shit. And I guess it would be exactly the same thing where you don't have that time to mentally prepare. Like no one I'm coming in at the end of the game. It's been super tight right. back and forth. Okay. I got you. I got you. Yeah. So you can definitely, you know, think it through and be mentally engaged, but you're not, fully mentally engaged if that makes yes sense. that makes perfect sense now how you've explained it mm-hmm. all right i'll tell you what why don't you run us through getting picked up at like the end of the season how did the end of the season go for your first time being up in the big leagues like because you're there in september it's coming into like playoffs and whatnot how did that all go yeah so we were actually fighting for the division 
Um, what year is this? 11? 2011. 11. Um, so we ended up finishing second in the division, but Detroit was the hottest team in baseball at the time. So they they beat us pretty well. Like I didn't do well against them. I had done well in almost all of my outings, and then I had two outings against Detroit that wrecked my numbers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just I, I ran into the hottest team in baseball. They went to I think the ALCS that year and lost to Texas because Texas went to the World Series that year, and I believe they played the Giants or somebody that year. But anyways, other than those two innings, I did well in the big leagues. But and then at the end of the year, they're like, "Oh, you know, it was great getting your feet wet." Blah 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 blah. You they're, know, they're kind of patting on the back to kick you back down to the minor leagues. Exactly, aren't they? exactly. So Thanks, they, guys. They're feeding all this stuff. I mean, it was great. Um, you know, being in the big leagues and finishing in the big leagues—that was always the goal: to so start, you know, at this level, finish at this level. And I started in AAA, finished in the big leagues. You know, got to the big leagues, finished in the big leagues. So, in my mind, was I, I'm going to come into spring training next year. I'm going to fight for a job. Yeah, I might be like in a bubble spot, but exactly. I should be able to come in and prove that I'm worth and it. And compete. Yeah. And that didn't happen. So, I get a call um, about two weeks before Christmas. And Those Bastards. I couldn't wait till after Christmas. <laughs> Two weeks before Christmas. I'll never forget it because I was actually working a part-time job at Walmart uh, in the electronics department. Um, they give me a call. They're like, hey, we're going to um, we're gonna designate you. We're going to remove you from the 40-man roster. We need to make space. We're making a trade for somebody, I think, with the Padres. Um, they made a trade to get a position player because they really needed a position player. I was a low man on a totem pole. They didn't have anything invested in me. Again, I was drafted in the 34th yeah. round. I, I mean, wasn't a for, first for them, like, it's worked out great. Like, right. they, they drafted you late, took a chance on you. It's kind of worked out well, but not great. So yep. it's like, okay, well, we'll just kick him off because it sucks to be him. Exactly. So then um, when that happens, they have to put you on waivers. And how that works is uh, I was offered basically on the waiver wire for all the American League teams first. Because I was with Cleveland, so American League teams first. Once they all pass on you, then it goes to the National League. It went to the National League, and I got claimed by Cincinnati. So then I was being basically traded to Cincinnati um, for the following season. But I, I got that news two weeks before Christmas. <laughs> Surprise! Uh, <clears throat> so waivers only last, I think, four days, four or five days. Um, but it was at the end of that where I get a call from Dusty Baker um, in the Reds front office. Hey, we claimed you off. We need a ground ball guy. We need we need you to come in and compete for a job in the big leagues. So that's kind of how that went at the end of that season. Okay, well then how did the, uh, the offseason go and then starting into that next season? Let's kind of just pick up the story and kind of go from there. So I worked hard, um, was working out, doing all the throwing and everything. So just, the, uh, just uh, as normal. I would assume this is probably on your own. Yeah. Right? Because you've been let go from the Indians, so it's not like you're going to their facilities and mm -hmm. doing work. So you're doing your own stuff on the off season. Uh, you obviously have a job because you got to pay the bills because there's right. no money coming in. Exactly. Right? So there's all that kind of stressor as well. Uh, so I guess just, yeah, just walk us through kind of all that. Yeah. Um, so I had so in the off seasons, doesn't matter if you're um, in the minor leagues or even big leagues, 
you work out on your own in the off season. Even the pros. Even even the majors. Wow. Yes. You don't go to the facility. I could have went to the facility if I really wanted to, but I wasn't going to drive 30 minutes north to Cleveland every day if I could w- do the same workout, you know, next to my house. Yes. So I would go to a facility there, do everything that I needed to do, and then um, so I, I, I would work out, I would throw, I would throw bullpens, I'd Try to sharpen certain pitches. Are, now, now, when you say workout, you mean like lifting weights and that kind of stuff? Lifting weights. Are you running your own program? Is somebody else doing that for you? Are you hiring a coach to run that for so you? So some do. Um, I did not. I would take our programs for the season because it would all be spelled out for us. And they would sometimes at the end of the season give you an off-season workout. Okay. Hey, you need to do this, 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 and this, work on these things. So I would do that, and I kind of had a good idea of what I needed to do. So I would work out, lift, run, do all that kind of stuff, throw. I mean, do the things that an athlete would have to do exactly, to be a professional. Exactly. Um, one thing I did start doing was I started dabbling into weighted baseballs. Okay. Um, to kind of build arm strength. Um, and that was on the cusp of all this driveline stuff, the stuff you hear on TV about plyo balls and all this, that was at like the beginning. And so heading into 2012, it was at the forefront. So like, we didn't really know what we were doing. I kind of dabbled in it. Um, and then I go to spring training with the Reds, uh, new team. I was nervous. Yeah. You got to prove yourself all over again. Prove myself all over again. It was new set of faces, new organization, new people. And it, I think it, uh, you know, subconsciously scared me. Okay. Um, I wasn't comfortable. Um, it just, nothing ever felt comfortable with Cincinnati. Um, yeah, I just didn't feel comfortable. Okay. And then, um, in spring training, I got, it's been scientifically, I think, proven. That, like it's called the yips. Um, I've certainly heard that term. So I got that when I was I faced the Indians my first outing in spring training, which was kind of weird. <laughs> That's you know, definitely weird. I was shaking, like whatever. I threw a scoreless inning, so it wasn't you know a big deal. But I did hit somebody, um, hit by pitch. It, it was you know a friend of mine. You know, it wasn't it was no big deal. But I think it kind of messed with me psychologically. It kind of got in your head. It did. <clears throat> so then the very next day, I'm trying to play catch, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Like, I've been playing catch my whole life. Yeah. And I couldn't physically I mean, if you were to iron it, or go outside right now in the backyard and throw around, like, you would have no issues whatsoever. Exactly. Because you've done it forever. Exactly. And it doesn't matter. Like, I can give you, like, an old bullshit glove that doesn't even catch well, and you'll just smoke that thing because it doesn't exactly. matter. But so, but you, because, like, you got in your own head mentally, were just, just, just couldn't do it. That's right. interesting. I, could, I, couldn't do, I couldn't do it with a fastball, but I could throw an off-speed pitch. I could throw a slider. I could throw a changeup. I could throw anything but a fastball, and I could hit the person in the chest. You asked me to throw a fastball, I'd spike it in the ground, throw it over their head, I throw it in right because, field because you were afraid of hitting the person because that's I what you hit the person with. Yes. Okay. So I okay. think that's what I've kind of narrowed it down to. That would make sense. But they scientifically have shown that the yips is like a separation of some nerve, like in your neck between your neck and your brain. Really? It's an actual like mental block that separates, and that's what causes it. Don't know how much truth there is to that, but it kind of makes sense. 
um, because I could feel I could do everything. But when I would th- go to throw a fastball, I couldn't feel my arm. It was weightlessness. It felt like a feather. I had no feel. Now, everything else, I could hold a slider. I could feel what my arm was doing. I could feel the ball in my hand, everything. But the throw but just fa- for the fastball. Just for the fastball. I couldn't feel a thing. You had this little mental block. And yep. It literally kept you from feeling what you needed to to be accurate. Mm-hmm. And it it kept me from making that team. I, I wholeheartedly believe I would have made that team no problem um, because they went out and signed like three other pitchers to take that spot because of what I was going through. So I would go out in the, you know, working through it. I would go out in early in the morning, like seven in the morning, me and the pitching coach and a, and somebody to catch, he would hit me ground balls at shortstop and I'd have to throw them to first base. I was throwing them into right field. I was throwing them in the dugout. I couldn't hit first base. I, I would backhand, throw them across the diamond, and I couldn't do it. And then eventually, we kept doing this every day, and it took about a week. Eventually, the To get ball, the yips gone. To get it gone. Eventually, the ball came back, and I was able to throw it to first base. Okay. Um, so then in- Well, it's good that they were actually taking the time to try to work with you, and, yep. and not just saying, well, fucking get out. And then throughout that time- I mean, they kept asking me, are you hurt? Are you hurt? I was like, I can't feel it. I just don't know. I don't, I can't feel it. Um, are they doing any kind of like work on your neck or your shoulder or yeah, anything like the, that? They, the chiropractor was there like, you know, hey, maybe this is this. Do a massage and all massage. that kind of stuff. Okay. So all, all the stuff, stuff you would normally do. Exactly. Um, and none of it worked. And then, um, so then I would have to go into the batting cage before Pitching like this whole time, I was still scheduled to pitch on these days. Um, like a normal spring training, you're scheduled certain days to throw. I'd have to go in there and just take a bucket of balls and just warm up with fastballs and throw them against the net, and then go in there and try and pitch. And I still couldn't throw a fastball to the catcher. If I threw a fastball, I hit the on deck batter. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> right? Talk about scary, yeah. Um, that, <laughs> you know, I so what did I do? I threw what I could throw for strikes and got people out. I still threw scoreless innings. I didn't give up any runs in spring training, you know, miraculously. So, so even despite not having your, your biggest weapon, the fastball, right? right you, you still pitched well enough with the other stuff. You could obviously still feel and work through and to still get have good a innings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then. Holy shit. Right. So then towards the end. You know, by the end of spring training, I could start throwing fastballs to home plate. It started to come back. How long spring training? Spring training is about five to six weeks. Okay. So you were starting to get it back after about a week and a half, two weeks. It take, and it, then you started it, to slowly build back up until the, the end of five or six. You were finally starting to feel comfortable, not even proficient and good, just, but just comfortable enough to get where you want it to go. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Wow. So the the yips lasted like two solid weeks. Oh, yeah. And then and then it started to progressively get better. It, but it, it was always kind of there throughout the whole season. Um, and it literally was the worst season of my career. 
2012. Oh, that sucks. I mean, because you just make it. You think this is going to be your breakout. It's going to be the best. I just got traded. I can make the team. It's going to be good. Obviously, you weren't comfortable, so that probably played into it as well. Yep. Just not feeling at home just, and everything else. It was a big else. psychological change oh, shit. that I wasn't ready for. Yeah. And that's what I kind of boiled it down to. Okay. That So I kind of erased 2012 and make that, you know. So how did the rest of the season go? Did you make the team then? or No. So I stayed in AAA the whole season. Okay. So they didn't essentially bring you up. You didn't make – a roster spot right. on on the Reds, and then they, and then um, they took me off their roster at the end of the season. So five days after AAA the Triple A did, or the Reds took. I was still part of their forty man roster. Okay. Um. So they have until five days after the World Series is concluded to make roster moves to to designate guys to move guys up or down for on the draft roster. or whatever. I yeah, assume. yeah, to protect guys so. You know, guys that are coming up for free agency, they can protect them by putting them on the roster, yada, yada, yada. Um, so they designated me and they took me off the roster. I cleared both both leagues um, in waivers, so I became a free agent. Okay. Now, with that season, since you were pitching in the minor leagues the whole season, now pitching for the Reds, how did the rest of the season go with your fastball? Did you ever get to the point where you felt proficient and good, or were you still fighting – like the little bit of the yips the whole year. I was fighting the little green man, and I had to take him off my shoulder. You know, so <clears throat> I always okay. thought him. So, so I, I always thought the yips were were like uh, Mr. Kazoo from the Flintstones. <laughs> <laughs> I always had to take the little green man, take him off my shoulder, and throw him away, and said, "Not today." I'm going to pitch. Okay. And but you struggled I, the whole year. I struggled you never, the whole year. It's not like you got halfway through and conquered it. Okay, we got to figure it out. Here we go. Let's do this thing. You started rocking and rolling. Right. You felt kind of wonky the whole year. Yeah, so the whole year I felt kind of wonky. I had some good outings. I had some bad outings, which is typical you know, throughout an entire of course. season. You're not going to be on every game. The whole, this right. is too long of a season. Absolutely. I mean, it's what? It's like 13 months long? I mean, get out of here. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, and just think that you're, you're – Throwing sixty innings, so sixty appearances. Are you really going to be sharp sixty out of sixty yeah. times? The answer is no. Exactly. There's a reason why they say like a, you what, need a, to, a, a, a point three three batting average or whatever is like it's amazing. Like it's a Hall of Famer. That's three out of ten. That's not that good. You know? Yeah, you're <laughs> but, a Hall of Famer if you hit three out of ten balls. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. right, that makes sense. So uh, when we come into the end of the season, you're now a free agent. Mm -hmm. What does that look like for you? Like. Does it feel any different? Do you just feel like, well, I'm going to do the same I, thing I've been doing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard, my head down, and hopefully yeah, I get picked I up somewhere. I, I was working hard. I actually went to the Dominican Republic to pitch in Winter League. It was my second time down there um, for the same team um, and became a free agent. They told me when I was down there, um, you know, we're going to let you go. You'll become a free agent. Um, it is what it is. But the problem with me being down there is that I wasn't pitching. They had... Um, the manager at that time, he had his same five pitchers that threw every game. And Dominican baseball is very different. It's a 50-game season. It's win or you know win or die every game. So they had their same five bullpen guys that would pitch every day. Um, I was just not throwing, so I had an I didn't have an opportunity to really pitch in front of scouts because it's heavily scouted. Um, or what have you to, to get a job with another minor league team. Um, my agent at the time was, was trying to work. Yeah. Make phone calls and phone calls. Trying to get scouts to come see you or do whatever. You know, Hey, bring him in. He's got these numbers, yada, yada, yada. Um, 
but then I get sent home from the Dominican um, at the beginning of December. I've been down there since October, and I think I threw four innings in three months. That's not good. That's not good at all. Um, so I didn't have that opportunity to really pitch in front of somebody. Um, so my agent hadn't been hearing from anybody. There was going to be a chance that, shit, what do I do? Like, I got to pay the bills. I need to play baseball to pay the bills. Um, nobody's signing me to a minor league contract, nothing. So I reach out to a friend of mine from college. She was working in the front office of the York Revolution, which is an independent baseball team in York, Pennsylvania. I was like, hey, uh, can you get me in contact with the manager, the pitching coach, somebody? Like, I need a place to play this year. Um, <clears throat> she's like, yeah, yeah. She put me in contact with them. They had me come out. I did, you know, um, yeah, we'll sign you. Like, it is what it is. And that was in 20, uh, 2013. So I had no idea what independent baseball was nothing but it's essentially minor league baseball they're just not affiliated with with any major league baseball team okay so you're still getting paid to play next to nothing but you're still getting the opportunity to get work in yes make progress and hopefully get scouted we right. can get picked up and, somewhere and, else and that league at the time was was superly heavily scouted by major league teams People would get signed all the time, like, hey, this person's been picked up by the Yankees. This person's been picked up by the Reds, the Diamondbacks. And that could happen anytime during the season, anytime. right? Anytime. It could like, happen even got, before the season. They got some injuries or something else. Hey, we want them to bring because them over. Because their season doesn't start till the end of April, whereas the minor league seasons and major leagues start at the beginning of April. So they will sometimes bring guys in to you know, sign them in their two-week spring training some of those guys actually get picked up. You know, their agents were like, hey, this person's here working out. They come and watch a bullpen or, or a practice game, and they sign them. Okay. And they don't even make it to the season. They get signed to, you know, a minor league team. So, okay. So you get picked up there. So you're at least working. So I'm, I'm at least working, and I lasted – I was there three weeks, and then I got signed to the Angels. All right. So I got picked up by the Angels. Um, they sent me to double A. Um, I was like, man, why are you sending me double A? I have yeah. three years of triple A experience. I got big league experience, but that's where they sent me. I took it and ran with it. Yeah, because like this is your best chance. Let's do this <laughs> exactly. thing. Here we go. So I go there. I show up in Little Rock, Arkansas. I pitch there, and I'm doing really well. Then they move me to, to closer, and I'm doing really well, doing really well. They call me up to triple A, uh, Salt Lake City. And I'm, I started off doing really well. I threw like 10 scoreless innings, whatever it, it was. So, so again, back on the grind, doing your thing, <laughs> showing them that you, you have the chops to be there. Exactly. Give me a fucking chance, people. Absolutely. Let's go. Absolutely. And then shit kind of hit the fan in, in AAA there because I was exposed to, I didn't realize, because I never played in that league, the ball flies. <laughs> so you can't. You can't get away with throwing the ball over the middle of the plate. You can't throw it here or there. Because of the elevation? The elevation. So I watched, um, we were in Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is, I think, the second high, third highest elevation in all of baseball. <laughs> and I watched a fly ball to the second baseman. Guy hit it. Threw his head down, threw the bat down. The second baseman's like under it. He runs back a little bit. He runs back a little bit. And then he turns his back and watches it because the wind blew it out of the stadium. 
just a normal fly ball to the infield was a home run. Like, and that's the type of, of games that we were in. That's so crazy. But you hear the same thing like in golf. Yeah. And like I watched uh, professional disc golf and you see that kind of stuff happening as well, where like the, the discs become, is it much more or much less stable? I don't remember, but they fly so much differently because of the elevation, and like the thinner air. Like that's, and that's it's crazy yeah, to think about. It's funny. You say that we play golf out there. I play golf. Um. In New Mexico. People talk about the bar, Utah. ball goes farther. Oh, my gosh. Like, I can, I can hit the ball pretty well. And Well, what, dare I say you're a little bit of an athletic fella. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, out there, it's like, oh, my God, you lose you lose baseball. You lose golf balls because you're They're, they're you going so far so fast. You're so far so fast, and you're like, oh, my gosh, where is it? Is it going to come down? <laughs> yeah. Um, and by the way, speaking of that on a side tangent, like, we need to get involved in uh, golf long drive. This is gonna, I think we should. This is going to be fun. I think I'm going to talk to my coach about ordering a shaft here very soon. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. I'd love to swing one of those. Yes, it would. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so you were, you were struggling with the elevation because the ball's flying different from your pitching, but not just that, the hitting as well. And, and yeah, and not just the elevation and their thing. So what came with that is how the ball feels. Your skin actually. No. So you feels right. different, really? Absolutely. So your skin actually dries out and cracks, and um, get some corn huskers lotion, bro. Oh yeah, I had that. <laughs> I had the workman's hands, like I had all this stuff. Wear the little middies at night, keep them all nice it, and moisturized. Uh, basically, and that's what we would do to try and. Uh, but the balls would be dry. They had humidors. For baseballs, <laughs> you think a humidor, you know, you think of cigars, cigars yeah. uh, you know, wine, maybe wine, you know, wine cellars, whatever, you know, you need that, that moisture, moisture, but it wasn't there. And so like, even when you go to like lick your fingers to try and get something, nothing. And when you go to throw off speed, like breaking balls, like sliders, curveballs, they sit and they just spin. They don't break. That's interesting. Where on the East Coast, like everything's humid. You wouldn't even think about that. You know, you think like a pitch is going to be the pitch. Like, what's the difference? Right. So I could throw, you know, a slider and I could start it at the person's hip and it move and break across the plate or to the other batter's box. There, I could throw it down the middle and it would break maybe an inch. It barely moves. It barely moves. So it's just sitting there spinning and it's like, man, what the heck? You know, why are these guys hitting this thing? Because it's been an unhittable pitch my whole career. So does it just turn into like a lot of fastballs then or? It just, it turns into trying to manipulate and change your mechanics and change the way that you hold a ball to try and make it do what you want it to do. Try to get that same outcome. Okay. So I kind of fought with that for that season. And then um, lasted with them like, and it just. Started off well, just didn't end well. Okay, so you kind of got stuck in AAA, yeah, and didn't make the kind of progress that you were making at you know sea level. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Basically, got humbled, <laughs> you know, like, by, well, by, by, shit. by Mother Nature. Um, then I I got released by them, you know, five days after the World Series, they let me go, and then in uh, twenty, did you go back down to Mexico, play down there? Or? So in twenty thirteen, I actually tried to go play in Mexico or tried to go play in the Dominican Republic. They just did. There was no roster spots available, and I don't know so, if so we no covered one would, this. No one would pick you up, right? So I don't know if we covered this in the first episode. I don't think we did. So how their rosters are set up? 
they can only have so many imported players. Okay. So well, we might have addressed that, but still, let's let's cover it again. Yeah. So, and in the Dominican Republic for winter ball, they're only allowed six imported players that are not native, that are not Dominican. So that can be Venezuelan, that can be Puerto Rican, that can be American, that can be anybody that's not Dominican. They're only allowed six for their whole team. So they have a forty-person roster as well. So they actually have a thirty-five-man roster okay. every game that they can change every game. Okay. So they have a plethora of players. They have a bullpen that has you know they can play matchups like Game Seven of the World Series, and they can throw three pitchers an inning for nine innings. Like that's how many players they have, and they can do that. And then the very next day, they can bring in a new, fresh set of arms that are completely different. Yeah. That's just how that, that league is set up. But so I needed to be one of those six people, basically in the world, to, that wasn't Dominican to get a job. And then just there was no spots available. Okay. So I worked hard all off season. I was like, I want to, you know. This is going to be it. Like, I need to, to really buckle down, really f- fine-tune my craft. Yeah, because obviously you've proven the point that you can be there. <laughs> right. So now it's just getting somebody else to recognize it and take a chance on you. Right. So I actually fired my agent at that time and hired a new agent. And it was actually at the beginning of 2013 when I did that. So backstory, I, I did that once I got signed with the Angels. Um. So he got me signed. I was only a free agent for maybe a week after I got released by the Angels. He got me signed with the Dodgers, like, right away. Okay. So this is great. Looking like, good. Looking good. Like, he's working. He's on top of it. Um, you know, like, hey, I'm going to go in and fight for a job in AAA. It's AAA guaranteed, but go in and compete for a job. Um, they couldn't bring me into spring to big league camp because they were already full. But I was going to to minor league camp, but to fight with a job, I would go up and down. And that's what happened. So it was the same thing like your first season. So you're making some games in the majors, Mm -hmm. making some games in triple. It just depends on when they need you, when they don't. Right. So I got to go and back up some big league games. And if I got in, I got in. If not, you know, I was there just as a just in case. And dare I say at this point, after a few years of kind of not really having a job and kind of work your way up and then getting – Drop back down to double and then working your way back up to triple. Like now you're probably super excited to be going back and forth because it's like, yes, hey, I exactly. got a shot again. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and on a side note, like I was more comfortable at going into a new organization, a new team because I had been exposed to it before. So whereas when it happened with the Reds from the Everything Indians. Everything felt weird and uncomfortable. Because now I, it's like, I've been here before. It's no big deal. So think about, like, I was with the Indians, so I knew everybody in the organization Not to mention, for four like, years. It's a local team. You're excited to be there. Right. And like, this is cool. Right. And you know everybody for four years, so you know the system for four years, and then you get thrown into a completely different place and different organization. You're like, oh, shit. <laughs> so, but at this time, you know, in 2014, I, I was ready to go and whatnot. So I got... Uh, made it through camp, went to AAA, and I was doing extremely well. I was doing really, really well. And leading up to that, I had a they had a catcher. Um, I believe his name was AJ Ellis. He came down 
and had to make some rehab starts um, behind the plate because he got hurt in the big leagues. They had to bring him back on a on a on a uh, playing program to get back to the, his position um, because he was a contract guy. He caught me a handful of times in the minor leagues in, in AAA, and he's like, "Hey, whatever you're doing, we have a lot of trouble up there." I'm going to let them know that they need to call you up <laughs> <clears throat> because he just loved our game plan. He loved everything I was doing. He said, I need you in the big leagues <laughs> is what he kept saying. Yes, sir. Let's do this. Yes. Thing. <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, yes. You know, let talk to whoever you need to talk to. Give me back. <laughs> yes. I'll write him a personal letter. Let's come on. Let's go. Right. And then, so he actually told our pitching coordinator. So they, all these coordinators started coming in, all these, you know, guys that make decisions started coming in and watching and I was doing well. They would talk to me, you know, we're just waiting to make a roster move. We're going to get you back to the big leagues. We're going to get you back there. You're ready. We need you up there. We just have to make a roster move first in order for that to happen. Two weeks later, I break my elbow. Well, shit. (laughs) I'm in a game, so my my wife and my family, they drive my car from, I don't know if we were in Akron or they drove it from West Virginia. They drive my car all the way across country to AAA, which was in Albuquerque. So we were, they draw, drove it out and they came out for Father's Day. Um, Dad was out there and then they had to fly back, so they flew back and then on Father's Day... Is I broke my elbow. My wife was there in the stands. I was in a game pitching, and my elbow snapped. Just just from pitching. Just from pitching. So not not a freak thing. Not like a ball come back at you and you took no. it wrong off the elbow. No, or? I I was pitching like, and backstory. It had been kind of aching and hurting the last couple of weeks. You're an athlete. Shit happens. But it wasn't something that wasn't normal. Like yeah, I, I can. Compl- I went into the trainers like, hey, something doesn't feel right. You know, it kind of feels like this, and. We rehabbed it, whatever. We were doing things to, to make it feel better. I was still pitching. I was still doing well. Like, it's not like my velocity went down and it, there was no telltale signs. Yeah. And then on that day, I'm in a game. I had an out and a guy at first base and I had a 2-1 count. Well, actually 1-1 one, one count. And I threw a fastball and I felt like a zing, like a, Something, hey, that really didn't feel good in my elbow and, and like through the outside part of my arm and through the muscle and it kind of tingled. And so then it was a 2-1 count. And I was like, well, I'm going to throw a slider here because it's the right pitch and the right count. I threw a slider and I felt my arm break. <laughs> I felt it pop twice. Shit. Threw a strike. i threw a strike that may not be in the big picture at the moment right right i threw and then i have never seen the video of it i wish i I could track down a video of it but i threw my glove down and vivian says i i screamed and vivian's my wife she said i screamed and then they come running out of the dugout and i'm like hold my arm and i said i can't move it like there's no way I can finish this this outing or whatever. And so a 2-2 count, I came out of the game, and they took me in. And I, I looked down at my arm, and immediately I thought I had, you know, season's over. I'm having Tommy John surgery. It is, you know. Now, what's, what's the Tommy John's? So Tommy John is your UCL ligament, which is on the inside of your elbow. 
that attaches um, with the little bony part that sticks on the inside of your elbow and it attaches up on the top to the radial head. <clears throat> but that's really, really common for pitchers to have Tommy John surgery. That's what I thought I had. You just thought you blew ligaments. Go in there, stitch it up, do the rehab. Six months later, you'll be back to pitching. Yeah, a year later, I'll be back to pitching. Yeah, you know, but I like, dang it, I'm I was about to go back to the big leagues, and this happened. Um, but that's that wasn't the case. Um, the very next, you know, my elbow looked like a kneecap. It was it was all swollen and and whatnot. And the very next day, they flew me to um to um phoenix to the spring training complex the dodger spring training complex and i had to go with them uh to go get it scanned they had to do x-rays and they did all this stuff. mri and everything else so they didn't do an mri they did the x-ray first and then they determined oh is your bone because my bone was split in half <laughs> um so there was no mri done um, so they didn't check the ligaments as well no they did. They th- they deemed that, that seems crazy to me. They've got the equipment and, just and see, do it and see. I, and I kept asking. I was like, I want to be sure that I don't need TJ. I yeah. don't need Tommy John. I want to make sure that let's there's let's nothing check, else let's wrong. Check everything. So, but that didn't happen. They they scanned her and like, oh, you broke your arm. You broke your bone. Your olecranon, which is the pointy part of your elbow. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. What well, what do I do now? Yeah, like do they do they cast that? Do you just exactly? So I was you know twenty seven years old and knock on wood that was my first broken bone. Um, you get slow starter. Like, come on, ah, man! Like I did crazy stuff growing up, jumping bikes and whatever. But I've broken so many bones, <laughs> I never broken anything. Um, so they went in and actually did they did surgery um a week later after that surgery and a broken bone. Yeah, so they had to go in, and because of the way it broke, they had to put a plate and four screws. Okay. To hold it together. Okay. And then you rehab until the bone is healed. Healed. Um, they take the plate off, they leave the plate. The, I still have it to this day. Okay. Um, but in the midst of that, my wife is in Albuquerque. I'm in Phoenix, and... She has and I'm to, sure the Dodgers are like, yeah, it's like you're one of you're one of us now. We're going to take care of you. Don't you worry about a thing. Essentially, um, well, really. So I mean, I'm expecting them like, well, get the fuck out now. You're done. No, that, so they had to take care of me, but in Phoenix, and she was in Albuquerque. I was like, hey, I need to go back, and we need to pack everything up and and come, you know, back here. So they let me fly to Albuquerque. We packed up up our, our apartment and everything, and drove to phoenix and needed a place to stay we need to find a place to stay and mickey was with us too you know my dog was with us and she had just driven across country yeah was in albuquerque for a week and then let's now pack had, up the apartment and move pack, again <laughs> let's pack up the apartment and move again and then i had to break that lease pay all this money to break the lease and return the furniture do all this stuff but Thankfully, she was there because she took she handled that. Yeah, at least she could actually do most of that while you right. were trying to rehab. Right. Um, and then a friend of mine that was on our team was in our bullpen. He had to have Tommy John surgery. So he got hurt earlier in the season. He got hurt in May, and I got hurt in June. He lives in Scottsdale, which is outside of Phoenix. 
so I call him. I was like, hey, do you know of any places? Because he was familiar with the area. I was like, I'm looking for a place to stay. You know, my wife and dog, like, I mean, an apartment. He let us stay in his house. That was nice of him. He had, I mean, they were a blessing. They really were. We, we got to stay in their house. I mean, granted, he had a, a very large home. Um, but his dog and my dog got along. They played. We got along with him and his wife. Like, we lived with them from June through August. And then in September, we packed everything up from there and drove it um, and drove back to Ohio where we were living in Akron. And then the Dodgers flew me back out to Phoenix to finish my rehab. So I, I, I rehabbed those, those two and a half months. I broke it on Father's Day in June. I picked up a baseball for the first time September 1st. Okay. So September 1st, I picked it up for the first time and played catch. Um, and then from there, just progressed through the month of September and they got me back to like throwing. They got my range of motion back. They they did a lot of good, um, and they corrected a lot of mistakes that I had been making or habits that I had. In your mechanics, not not just mechanics, but like in in my um, shoulder program. So like doing scapular work. Okay. And doing like the rehab prehab kind of stuff. The rehab prehab stuff, the stuff that we would always do as pitchers throughout my entire career. They corrected it. I had a really, really good physical therapist with the Dodgers and, and trainer that corrected those mistakes. That corrected those bad habits. Awesome. That were from when I was with the Indians, Reds, and the Angels. I mean, dare I say, there's been so much progression in the last 15 years or so, like in sports, specifically about recovery, rehab, like all that kind of good stuff. But most of these organizations are just doing what they've done forever because – because that's, it works. That's what they did. It's not, not that it worked. It's like because they ran through enough people. They're like, well, we've got extras. So when we break them, we'll just get somebody else. That's kind of how this works, right? Right. But so it's, it's good to see that they're the Dodgers, at least, were starting to like do new shit. Like, okay, well, let's fix these problems that are leading to some of these big issues. Exactly. So I had, you know, would always struggle with like bicep tendonitis, bicep, like in, in the front part of your shoulder where the bicep tendons would attach. You would always get inflammation, which is very, very common for pitchers. Anybody or even I mean, it's it's an overuse of something. Yeah, it's, even even when you're straining it, when you're straining like, as hard as you can, you're going to have injuries and stuff right, like that. It's right. always going to happen. And, and it's it wasn't like an injury. It was just oh, I got it's some pain. It's, it's a aches, nagging so thing. It's it's inflammation. Right. It's problem. It's an issue. But they attributed to that was with how I would do my scap work and my rotator cuff exercises, and they corrected the motion. And it fixed that problem. Okay. So they what they were doing was very adaptive. They're gonna build you back better. Let's do exactly, this thing. exactly. Be a better um, machine. <laughs> but they got me through through that and through the end of September. But then at you know five days after the World Series, I get a call and say, hey, they're you know they're releasing me. They're not gonna bring me back next season. Well, I love the fact <laughs> that they kept you on. They got you through your rehab. They got you back into it. So now you at least have a chance. Right. You're not, they're not just like, well, you got hurt. So fuck off and get out. Exactly. So, cause so, that's kind of what I was expecting you were going to say. <laughs> no. So, so that uh, makes me happy. All right. So right. we're, we're back to where we were again because of the injury. Mm -hmm. Shit. So free then, agent. So then same thing, like agents can't not, get picked up in Dominican, can't, can't find a job in Mexican find, league. Yep. Couldn't, couldn't Did get you fire a, agent again? Well, no. <laughs> so I couldn't get the jobs in those leagues, but I wasn't able to. 
as well. So I wasn't cleared to pitch in a game. Okay. Until you're, you're, like December, you're still building back January. up with your rehab so and everything. I didn't really try because I was really trying to build back up. Yeah. Like, and not just go back in and then ruin your career because or you re injure it. Yeah, exactly. You know, so like I didn't, I, I didn't go anywhere. So I, I rehabbed it. I went, I learned all this stuff from my rehab. I continued to do that through that off season in 2014 and then come 2015 teams weren't willing to take a chance because of that injury. So they're like, Oh, you probably can't pass the physical or whatever, but they didn't give me the opportunity to pass the physical. So I give a call to the York revolution again and say, Hey, I'm looking for a place to play. You know, I need to get picked up. I had this injury. They bring me back. So I'm good to go. I'm going to be playing again. And then um, I have a phenomenal season in 2015. It was just that year. Not a lot of injuries happened with the minor leagues or the major leagues. So, so they, no, no real roster spots opened no. up where somebody could bring you in. So they didn't sign any pitchers that year out of that league, which was the craziest thing ever. Of course it did. You know, like that's just how luck would have it. But finished a season there, um, pitched extremely well. Velocity came back actually velocity jumped a little bit Ooh! so that was a good thing probably because of like the extra work you're doing with your rehab prehab those kind of things that's what i i contribute or attribute being more efficient really right yeah yeah so then i i you know my agent got me a job um to go play mexican winter league never been to mexico go go to mexican winter league and dominate it just you know did extremely extremely well they loved me Is it down a there. Scouted league. It was scouted, but not heavily scouted. Okay, so there's a couple people, but not yeah. not not tons. Um, but I really, really embraced being there. I embraced the, the culture. I mean, like you and I've talked like offline, obviously, mm-hmm. and like talked about how much you loved playing down there. You loved the culture, the food, everything. Just just the people, everything. Mexico was even. Uh, more so than the Dominican Republic, because I'd been there, you know, two previous winters. Mexico was just different, and it was awesome. I just loved it. Um, and then got offered from there. Um, th- the GM of the team that I was playing for was also a GM of a team in the summer league. So that's how I was able to get offered a job to play Mexican summer league. And thankfully, it was in Cancun, Mexico. <laughs> so I I signed that contract um, and go to play in Cancun, Mexico, and winter league end. Excuse me, ended in January, and then theirs started up in March. So I only had a month off when I was at home. I just stayed pitching and stayed sharp so I could be ready for spring training. But I go to spring training down there. And I become their closer and I'm their closer for, for a while. And then they, they bring in a Dominican guy to be the closer and they move me to the eighth inning just because they, they wanted him because he was an established closer where I didn't do anything wrong. I was still, you just had like a bigger name or yeah, like just a, just a bigger name or whatever. But so I got moved to that and it was actually the first year of my career that I was an all-star. 
So I got to do, I was a Mexican League All-Star. I got to go to the festivities and do the All-Star game. I bet you that was a lot of fun. Oh, it was amazing. I got to pitch in the All-Star game. Like, it was just so, Were you in, like, so the home awesome. run derby and all that kind of stupid shit? Yes, like, a home a run. Hot, hot dog race or something? Whatever. Yes, they well, did. Like, well, what do they do? Like, there's got to be, like, this big sh- shenanigan oh, stuff, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> so down there they have <laughs> cockfighting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's so pretty they, big all around the world. They brought them on the field. And they let them... <laughs> fight each other there on the field until until like blood is drawn and then they separate them because they don't want the fans to yeah see it to chicken see. die <laughs> right so anyways but they had the home run derby they had a bit a really nice formal dinner um is it like meet and greets and press and everything yes okay. meet and greets press it was just like a big league all-star game it was just in mexico and it was in mexico it was in in monterey mexico um so that was really cool um where everybody else got that time off I had to go be a part of the All Star game, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Like it was, well, it sounds like a awesome. great experience. Great experience. It was the first time I was an All Star. It was the first time I've been like recognized for doing well. So that was great um, because there was even times like throughout my career where I should have been an All Star in that league, yeah, and didn't get picked. You've obviously <laughs> done well enough, but right. they're just not recognizing it quite yet, right? So pitched extremely well um they wanted me to come back to play for their winter league team but i did so well that i got looked at for the dominican republic to go back to the same team that i had played for two years previous um so i i chose to go there because i knew that that league is more heavily scouted scouted. yeah so more mlb teams are there you're facing a lot more major league type talent it was just a better it's, opportunity. It's a better movement for if you want to get back in the big. I wanted to get back to at least affiliate, at least go back to AAA and have that opportunity yeah. to make that, you know. Because you know jump. you can prove yourself worthy as you've done it already. Right. So I go there and I um, do extremely – the best I've ever done in my, in my life. And probably there will be – I can't say there won't ever be somebody else to do what I did, but I did something that nobody has done before. I went 40 scoreless innings in the Dominican Republic. So I didn't give up a single run for the whole season, the playoffs, and the championship series. Dare I say that sounds like legend shit. Yes. <laughs> that doesn't yes. sound like, yeah, he was pretty good. It's like, no, dude, there was this gringo who came in. Exactly. Exactly. There was this gringo, and oh, my God. Yeah. Like, So I, we did that, and um, the team that I was playing for, the Aguilas, and their rival, Lise, are the two biggest names, Like, or the rival between them is larger than any rival that you can think of in sports. Okay. It's bigger than Michigan-Ohio State. It's bigger than Boston, New York. It's bigger than than any rival that you know. It really is. Um, because in the in the championship series, we play them. So we're playing them in the best of nine. It's not a best of seven. The best of nine games. Our stadium. And each one, I'm sure, is the fight to the death. Each one's fight to the death. Our stadium holds. That stadium probably holds about twenty two to twenty three thousand people. There was 30,000 in the stadium. <laughs> they were sitting in the rafters. They were on top of the press box, the, the awning over top of the stadium. They were sitting up there, hanging off the edge. 
They were standing room only. Like, there was 30,000 people in a 22,000-seated stadium. No one called the safety organizations. Well, it's the Dominican <laughs> Republic, so. Yeah, there, there aren't any. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> we, we ended up losing uh, game nine at home um, against our rival. But I had the best season that anybody's ever seen in the Dominican. I thought, like, man, I'm going to get signed. Oh, yeah, for sure. You're thinking, like, like somebody's so going to call me. I finally had – and it didn't take – they didn't want to make any moves or, or offer anything until the, the end of that season, which is January. At the end of January – well, spring train starts in March. Big league camp starts in February. Why haven't I heard anything yet? You know, all these guys are signing, and they're signing contracts, and I'm doing better than them, and I'm not getting a contract. Yeah, and I'm so sure your like, agent's reaching out and making phone yes. calls and everything else, so it's not like you're not trying. And even the manager, my manager there was Manny Acta, who – he was my manager with Cleveland when I was in the big leagues, but he was the GM when I was there and manager, and he's trying because he's the third base coach for the Mariners. He's really pushing hard to get me signed with the Mariners. He's like, you can help us. You're going to be in our bullpen. Like, we need you. Um, but he also reached out to other teams as well. And finally, my agent called like, hey, we got an offer from Houston. We got an offer from Milwaukee. And I was like, okay, those are great. I was like, just give me a couple more days because Manny's working on this with the Mariners. So he he works on that. Like, then my agent, get, you know, finally gets through with them, and I get offered a contract with the Seattle Mariners. Nice. So, so you got three offers. I got three offers. Um, so I ultimately choose Seattle because I wanted Manny to, to be, keep that relationship. Not only to keep the relationship, but if it came down to when he's in those meetings, he could be a voice. He can vouch for you. He can be a voice for because me. Because dare I say. With new clubs, you've kind of been brushed aside a little bit without real justification for that. Exactly, exactly. So if it came down to like, hey, is so-and-so ready? We, we got this guy or that guy. He can be a voice like, hey, well, this guy did this for me. He can be. He can help us, that kind of thing. He can be a voice for you yes. in those meetings when they're trying to call somebody up. So I, I like where your head's at. I like the idea instead of just jumping on the first one, mm -hmm. let's go to the one that's going to give me the best chances going forward. Because right. dare I say, you're kind of the point in your career now where it's like, well, if we don't make something happen the next couple, like that might be all she wrote. Exactly. So that might be all she wrote. Um, so then I, I work really hard. Um, for the one month that I was at home, they couldn't bring me to big league camp, but Is I was because it wasn't enough time. Or? Yeah. Okay. They, they had already had everybody Just logistics of everything. Logistic. I get it. Yep. So they bring me to minor league camp, which started in March, but they said, you're going to go, you're going to come up and, and be in, in our games. You're going to come up and you're going to throw and everything. So, and that happened. I was always on the big league side. But come from the minor league side to the big league side, and I threw. I was still throwing scoreless innings. I was still. I still had everything. And still that, kicking ass and taking names. Exactly. I still had that magic carried over from the from Dominican. That huge season that you yes. just had. And they were like, "My gosh! Like this is a different player." And, and backstory: the front office of the Mariners was the same front office that I had when I was with the Angels. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Where things were shaky. Yeah, you know, season, seasons didn't didn't go as planned. That kind of thing. You know, numbers weren't where they should have been. 
So I went in there and I was I proved that hey, I'm different than what I was. Yeah, I'm actually better now. I'm not three worse. years. You know, four years ago yeah. when you saw me, I was different. Now I'm four years older, and I've done this, and I'm doing this in front of you. Um, but then ultimately, like, and I stu- I threw scoreless innings on the minor league side, like pitching coordinators like my gosh like why are you here not over there like why are you on you know minor league side like that's my question too damn it right um but then you know there's always those cut days that you try to avoid when you're in the minor league clubhouse in spring training where you know basically the grim reaper's coming around and he's axing people and sending people home like hey you know, that's the reality not a, it, not everyone's gonna make it exactly it's just how this, everyone's talented but not everyone's going to make it. Exactly. Exactly. So I made it through a first couple cuts. Um, but then the one day, like I'm in the clubhouse and I tried to, you know, you always try to avoid that person. So you walk the other way and, you know, they have to track you down if it really happens. But, but um, he caught me when I turned the corner. I was like, hey, uh, you know, so-and-so wants to speak to you. And I was like, shit. <laughs> uh <laughs> And I hadn't give up a single run. Like, I pitched my ass off. And they bring me in, and the guy's like, I, I really don't know how to tell you this, but we just don't have any room for you. You're you're a little older. I was only 30 years old at the time. You're, you're a little older. Dare I say, like, you're still in your prime. It's not like you're past it. Right. You know, it's it's not like you're 38 and, like, just holding on. It's like, come on. Like, 30, I mean, like – you're, you're sh- I've, I've shown you that I'm better. I've shown you that I've improved these last four years since you've seen me. I've been injured. I've come back better. Like, I've done those things. I'm still in the prime of my life. I'm still working out on my own. I'm doing all these things right. How the fuck can you justify cutting me? <laughs> like, I, I'm just not understanding. Like, right. and, realistically, and I, like, I mean, I know the story. I know how this goes. I know how this ends. But it's like, <clears throat> damn it. Like, what? <laughs> right. And, and, and you know how you get when you see something or whatnot and you just, you're, you're froze. <sighs> so I didn't know what to say except for, okay, thank you. And, and I laughed. I mean, what else do you do? Like, you're not going to change their mind. You... Right. So, fuck. So then I get sent home after doing that. And Vivian had come out and, and visited me in spring training, saw me pitch in a big league game and everything with Seattle. And I got to meet one of my childhood idols, like, Ken Griffey Jr. was there. So That's I got, amazing. I got to meet Ken Griffey. I got to meet the kid, you know. Um, so I get told that I'm too old. Fuck. So I go home, and and I'm just really upset about it. Yeah. like, what the fuck do you're, I need to do? You're in the prime of your career. You're doing the best you've ever done. I just did and something they ju- legendary. And they just gave you some bullshit reasoning of why right. they let you go because there's no fucking reason for them to let you go. Right. And that I, is ludicrous. Right. I mean, you and, should be and the I mean, only thing that I can boil it down to is that I went in there and proved him wrong. Is that you I, put egg on somebody's face? I didn't put him on a, on their face, but I I proved them wrong because they were the same front office that I had with the Angels. Okay, they had this preconception of who you were, and what of was who going I on. were, and how I was going to do, and how I was going to be, and I went in there and proved them wrong. Wouldn't they be and excited they about that? And I think that they didn't like it. If you could fucking swallow your goddamn ego. All right. right. We got to fucking have a pour after that. <laughs> I'm fucking almost getting depressed over here. All right. Cracking open a new bottle of whiskey. Here there we go. go. Here we go. Right, listen for it. Listen, wait. 
that's not bad. That's a good that's pop. That's a good pop. Oh, shit. Say when, sir. That's good. Thank you, sir. Nice heavy pour there. That's because we're getting to the juicy stuff. Oh, shit. Cheers. Cheers. Sir. Salud. God. Oh, it smells good. Oh, got a good nose. Uh, even the neck pour is good on that. Oh, good old man. Heaven Hill bottled and bond. Seven year. That's delicious. Ooh, that's good. Mm. All right, so these crazy assholes yeah. give you some bullshit. That's what it is. The bullshit, bullshit reason yes, of why they're getting rid of you. Absolutely. So what happens now? So then I, um, I'm, we're in the, how about this? This is a kicker. This will make you more, <laughs> this will make you more depressed. Damn it. Vivian and I are in the process of buying our first home. Which is a scary time. Very scary time. And they have to validate, like, it, it's not that we didn't have funds. They they couldn't accept, if you've ever bought a home, you have to jump through obstacles to purchase a home. But they couldn't accept any of my money or contracts, contract money, from playing in Mexico. Why not? It's income. What does it matter? They couldn't trace it. But I, I was like, I got paid in American dollars. Here's the contract. I had to show contracts because I had to show a pattern of being a free agent year in and year out and signing contracts. Like, I'm going to be employed, yada, yada, yada. And I had to go back as far as 2012 when I was with the Reds. I showed the Reds contract. And this is in 2017. We're trying to buy a home. So I had to show five years where I was a free agent every year and had a contract. Yeah. And sh- and it, in those contracts, it has your what you're making. How you make it, and this is what we pay you, and everything, even with the Mexican League or Dominican Republic. Well, dare I say, they, the banks probably just don't like it because it's not standard. It's not like a W-2 that they can just look at or it's, whatever. It's, it's not a W-2, but the contracts are the exact same because those leagues are endorsed by Major League Baseball. So the contract is the same. Okay, okay. And with Mexico... They just made you jump through a bunch of hoops to figure it all out. Right, so... Pain in the ass. Basically, we, we're... We got a pre-approval. It is what it is. They call Seattle to confirm employment on the day I got released. <laughs> <laughs> well, he no longer works here. <laughs> and that's basically what it was what it boiled down to. And they didn't want to give us our pre-approval. They didn't want to give us, you know, the home or whatever. I'll give them the freaking crackheads a handful of years ago, but not not to you. Not to Shitheads. us. So <clears throat> um. Anyways, and I, you know, I'm upset about it. I'm dealing with that. I'm dealing with getting released. Talking with my agent is like, "Hey, this is what happened. This is what's going on." He he was on the phone calling everybody, trying to get it. it and this is really late in spring training, so everybody pretty much has, has their, their roster already set. Yeah. So it makes it really hard to get signed with somebody. But the same reason why you've not been picked up the last couple of years because exactly. there's just no roster spots right. available. He's able Damn it, why can't somebody else break their fucking arm and you can get in somewhere? <laughs> right. Shit. I don't wish that upon anybody, but you're right. Uh, <laughs> I'm all about it right now. Um So we have friends that live out th- that live out there at the time. And my agent gets me a bullpen tryout with the Dodgers. I'm familiar with the, with their organization. I'm familiar with the coaches. They that took are there. really good care of you when you they hurt your did. arm, so that's great. So, um, they just have a new manager and a new head of player development, um, Gabe Kapler, who's 
managing the Giants this year. He he managed Philly. He's managed in the big leagues for a while. He's been a player development guy, you know, a lot. He played yada yada yada. My agent and him are are, are good friends. So, I canceled my flight home. I um, rent a car. I stay with our friends in surprise. And I have a... What do you mean in surprise? So, surprise is the name of the city. Oh, I was going to say, like, just showed up. Surprise, I'm here. I'm no, special on no, your couch. No, <laughs> So, it was no problem. I, I, I stayed with them. I had a tryout. I just had to go in and throw a bullpen. They wanted to see, you know, how I was. They, they were worth time taking a look at, Yeah, right? they, had, they had the gun, whatever. I go there. You know, I'm all upset. Like, man, I, I'm anxious. I go there. I rock it. I throw the best bullpen. Dare of my I life. say you probably have? I'm going to prove those fuckers wrong. Yes, I throw the best bullpen of my life. The pitching coordinator's oh my. He's he's like wow, wow. And then and that's all I keep. I keep seeing him say that when I'm throwing breaking balls, when I'm throwing fastballs, I'm throwing a sink. I'm throwing I'm throwing the kitchen sink at these people, and. They're filming it. They have the gun, and he's like, "Hmm, you know, he's, you know, I throw the best bullpen of my life." There's nobody around. It's not like it's in a game, so it's yeah, tough. The, the crowd's not pumping you up and all that. Right. There's no energy to feed so, off of. So it's harder. this. This is purely like I'm going to show you pieces yes. of shit that you did the <laughs> wrong thing. I'm going to get picked up somewhere else. I'm going to shove it up your ass, like right. like Ricky Vaughn would say. Right. But <laughs> I'm shove it up your fucking ass <laughs> every time I face you. Um. Problem is, Vaughn, I didn't cut. <laughs> <laughs> Greatest baseball movie oh, ever. Oh, yeah. Um, then at the conclusion of that, oh, man, I feel good. Yeah. Gabe comes in and goes, hey, let's go over here and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. You know, talk about everything that's going on. You know, we'll talk about We go in there and, and he says, I'm not going to bullshit you. He goes, we don't have a roster spot. He's like, I wish I could keep you, but I can't right, right. now. He said, you threw really well. Um. I just can't sign you. You didn't hit 96. If you'd have hit 96, I would have signed you. You hit 94. And I looked at it and I said, Gabe, okay, I was like, is a bullpen. If you put me in a game, I probably hit 96. I'll hit 97. I hit 98 two years ago. Um, He said, I just can't do it. I don't, okay. I don't have the, the authority. Ability. Yeah. He has the authority, but he doesn't have the authority. And he said, you threw extremely well. We're really happy. If you can find, you know, go back to independent ball or go to Mexico, you know, if you do well, we can, you know, get you back or whatever. Um, but I was just devastated. Yeah, that's Absolutely. not what you I, wanted I cry, to hear. I cried my eyes out. I got into the car. I mean, dare I say, you're probably thinking now, fuck, this is the end of my career. I'm done. I thought it, I thought it was the end of my career because I didn't have an option after yeah. that. And I needed to make money. Um but just yeah, because like you, cry, your, your good I, looks and hope isn't I, fucking paying the bills. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> um, but I just, I just poured my heart out like and just threw the best bullpen of my career, and I know that it was the best. And it's like holy shit! Like, there's nothing else I could do. I I just couldn't do any possibly do anything else, and I just couldn't do it. So I fly out. I I stay with our friends. We we have dinner. You know, I'm just upset talking with them or whatever. Um. Vivian's all upset because we're trying to buy a house. Yeah. We can't buy a house now. Like, yeah. you know, what's like going on? Everything's just hitting so, the shitter all at once. Right. But I'm on the phone constantly there. And that was a point where I was like, screw this. Like, I, I'm good enough to still play. Like, I, I can do this. 
I, I reach out to everybody I know that's managing, coaching, wherever, in Mexico, independent. Uh, yeah. Dominic, like uh, we're I'm available. Everywhere. Put me on the roster. Let's do this thing. Yes. And Monterey, like the people that I know, and I pitched before them before, and they loved me. They're like, we just can't make a roster move yet. Stay sharp. We'll get you here. And it was back to Mexico. So I go home, and then I'm only home for a week and a half. And that's good news. Monterey calls and say, Hey, are you ready to go? Yes, I'm ready to go. They fly me down. I, I get signed with Monterey and they have me in the eighth inning with them. And I, I start off doing well. I, I do well with them. And then, um, like a month or so into it, the yips kind of came back. <laughs> uh, not really came back. It's just, Things weren't quite as sharp as, as they needed as, to be. As sharp as they needed to be, but I was also coming down off a magical season from the Dominican yeah. Republic. Yeah, I mean, dare I say you're not going to repeat that every year? It's not going to happen, right? I, I, and totally agree. Like, but then I went through all spring training with the Mariners with a zero ERA. I threw the best bullpen of my life. Like, I had all these things happen, and I think my body was just drained. Okay. I, I think drain physically like and mentally. Just pushing so hard trying to make it. Yes. That it's just, you can't keep that up forever. For sure. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I, think, I think I pushed it beyond what I was capable of doing. And it started to affect my, my numbers when I was with Monterey. So they ended up releasing me. Um, I came home. And again, I was on the phone with everybody trying to you know land with somebody else in Mexico or wherever. And I get a call, and I go to play for the worst team in Mexico at the time um, with Tabasco. And it was for a lot less money than what I was making with Monterey, but it was still paying the bills. It was still good. It was still an opportunity. I loved being there um, and pitched well and pitched okay with them. I did okay. They needed to make a financial move. Where they they re- they sent all of us that were making decent m- money, they cut all of us. Okay. Because they they were in a spot where I think their the ownership at the time didn't have the funds to pay everybody. Look okay. At what they were paying us. Fair enough. So they let us get rid of you guys and pick up somebody for cheaper. cheaper. And it's just that is what it is. That's just and management that, bullshit. And that's just business. Yeah. It, it it really was, and that's what it came down to. So then I came home. And I um, was already signed to go play in the Dominican Republic for winter, which was great because I was going to be around Manny, Manny Acta. I was going to be, I was familiar with that organization. I was familiar with the people there. I'm ready to go. And I had an extra month to prepare for that. Came home. I rested for like a week, got myself right, worked out, did everything I needed to do. And I go down there, and I'm granted, I'm still on that magical season. I'm still throwing zeros uh, for the Dominican, not, you know, the, the seasons in between. <clears throat> but I start off with, like, the first, like, seven or eight innings as a closer with zeros. And they're, like, talking about, oh, my gosh, he's gone to 40 innings already, like, you know, consecutively in the Dominican Republic with zero. And I give up my first run. <laughs> <laughs> 
But it was almost like a monkey's lifted off your back. Like you yeah. don't have all this pressure. But now, now like, you can relax because you don't have to be perfect right, anymore. Right. You hear that a lot, like with uh, like UFC champs. Yeah. They'll talk about like when they're the champ for a long time, long time, long time, just defending the title, defending it, and then once they lose, it's like, oh, okay, I can breathe again. I can be myself again. I can not have to worry about it. I can go out and do my thing and just kind of be free and loose. Mm-hmm. And and that's what happened. Um. Boom. Then I started off on another string of zeros before I gave up one more run. I gave up two runs that year in like the year, year, year. not the, like, not like two games, not like a series. No. no. So in the Fucking season, year. yeah, the season's 50 games plus playoffs the round Robin, which is another 20 some games. And then you have your championship. This time we make it all the way to the championship against our rival, Lise. So we're Aguila's Lise again, back to back years. In the Dominican Republic, where you have the two rivals, the two biggest teams in the country. And why is that? Because of Josh fucking Judy. That's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> this time, there's a lot more rainouts and stuff, but they fly my wife down. She's there for the championship series. Well, that's cool. And um, she doesn't get to see a game played because they got rained out. So okay. they actually had to sh- shorten the game nine to game seven. So we, we ended up playing seven games that year. And this time... We won at their place. So, nice. so they won at our place a year before in game nine. And this year we won at their place in game seven. And I was a closer and I closed out that game and, it, you know, threw our gloves up. You oh, know, yeah. Everybody's going hugged crazy. everybody. And big rivalry game. Big yeah, rivalry you're going game. apeshit. <laughs> right. You know, the two. And that's what that country needs. They, they always need those top two teams to face each other because the entire country gets involved. Yeah. And it was great. You know, we won everything. You know, we're partying, yada, yada, yada. We're, we're, we're celebrating. And then it comes to the Caribbean World Series. So the Caribbean World Series is televised. And it's the best team of the Dominican Republic, Venezuela, Cuba, Puerto Rico, uh, Panama. And I think they added another team. Um, but it's the, it's the winners of all those winter leagues in those countries come together in a central location in the year that I played in. It was in Mexico. It was in Guadalajara. I got to represent team Dominican. So we're all decked out in uh, Dominicana, you know, gear and whatnot. So it's just like the world baseball classic that you see on TV. This is also televised in February, which leads into spring training for the big leagues. Um, But got to go be a part of that. And, Got to meet a former president of ours. Oh wow! I got to meet Bill Clinton, uh, in in the uh, the walkway because he spoke before one of the games. Wow! So I got my picture taken with a former president. <laughs> um, but then you know, team Me- oh Mexico. That's the other team that was there. Um, so they have six teams there, and I got to you know see other guys with other organizations, other other clubs. But it was just like, man, this is the first time. I'm ever going to be able to represent a country because dare I say is like when you have to be, you know, Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, Derek Jeter, you have to be all these types of type players of that stature to represent the USA. And I just wasn't, <laughs> I'm just not Derek Jeter. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but this was the first time I was able to represent a country. And that was one of the greatest things throughout my career. And we actually made it to the championship against Team Puerto Rico. And we were actually winning 
And we had beaten Puerto Rico in pool play, and I actually closed that game out and threw a scoreless inning against Puerto Rico on on national TV. Um, but we were winning in the seventh inning, and then we we threw one of our younger pitchers, and he didn't do so well. I think the stage might have been a little too big for him. The, the he just like got in his own head and kind of freaked it, out a it little was bit. Ju- it was just. Um, the aura that the the atmosphere was just too large for him at the time. I'm sure he can handle it. You know, after experiencing it, you could handle it. But it was just too big at the time, and they scored a, a handful of runs. So, you know, our, our eighth inning and ninth inning guys, we weren't able to pitch in that game. We ended up losing to Puerto Rico in the championship. But that was just an amazing experience. Got to represent Team Dominican. I won a championship in the Dominican Republic. Um, and then from there, that was 2017. So 2018, I got signed to a different team in Mexico. Okay. Unbelievable season. I should have been an all-star, but they took somebody that threw harder. I had better numbers. They took somebody that threw harder, that spoke Spanish, and they wanted him to be in the all-star game. Sometimes that's how that goes, yeah. Yeah, so... But finished there, and then I got hurt at the very end of that year. I felt something get real tight in my arm, in my elbow, and I couldn't pitch. It, it hurt. It, like, popped and hurt. Um, so I got sent home, but I was still with them. Like, I got sent home um, to be reevaluated. I wanted um, reevaluated because I got um, x-rays and stuff like that in Mexico and it showed like a little bone chip or whatnot like a little loose body inside my elbow but I wanted to make sure like I want you know my doctors to see this yeah so I reached out to um, a former trainer of mine that I had with the Indians in the big leagues and they got me with their big league doctor Dr. Chicken Dance Um, and he looked at he's like if you can handle the pain, you can still pitch. You're not going to do any more damage. Um, you know, here's some painkiller. We'll prescribe you this or that to try and help you get through this. Because I needed to go to the Dominican Republic because I was signed with them to make money and, and to keep, you know, to, to continue to play. You got to pay the bills. I got to pay the bills. So I go there and, and I make it through spring training. Like I'm putting like sleeves and stuff on my arm and I'm taking painkillers and stuff and was still able to kind of do it but not really yeah like it it hurt and I, and it's like something's not right and um then i pit, i pitched a couple games like a couple games were good and then a couple games were like uh oh <laughs> like i'm spiking the ball in the other batter's box and i can't get it to home plate like something's locked up and it's not allowing me to throw and i sat down and i said hey um something's wrong here i need to I need to have this scanned. Something's not right. And they worked with me and everything. And then it was determined like with their x-rays and everything. Hey, Judy's got, you know, bone chips and more than one. Like, so I had more than one. I I thought I was under the impression that I only had one bone chip, but there was multiple loose bodies inside my elbow. Um, so ultimately I went home and then had surgery. Um, they went in and cleaned it out, removed the bone chips, cleaned it out. I was with the um, the trainers from the Indians at the time. They did my rehab and everything. I wanted to make sure that 
<clears throat> I had my surgery done by somebody that dealt with these injuries. Yes. And the same with the rehab. I Somebody that deals with these on a daily basis and knows what I go through, he, he just knows. So that's what I did. Um, and then in 2019, didn't get an offer from Mexico or anything. So I went and played independent ball back in York, uh, Pennsylvania again. Pitched the whole season there. Didn't get picked up. I'm older now. It, it, it'd be really hard because the way that the minor leagues are set up, they want young. They want somebody that's 21. They want somebody that's 24 that's ready to be in the big leagues. I was ready to be in the big leagues. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, but at by, the time, by all intents and purposes, you already should have been there. Right. You give it uh, some bullshit reason that you were too old, even right. though you were doing amazing. It's like, what the fuck are we right. talking about But here? now I'm, I'm 34. I'm 34 years old. I'm 35 years old. You're kind of on that cusp where like, hey, um, you know, probably not going to get signed. But I had an amazing, amazing time there. Pitched extremely well. We made it to the playoffs, like, and we lost in the first round of the playoffs. Um, pitched really well. I'm signed to go back to the Dominican, but not with my team, which is unfamiliar territory for me. I'm going to a different team in the Dominican but with Manny Acta because he's the GM of this other team and like part owner. He brought, he brings me in, but he brings me in as an extra. Like I'm not going to be on their roster. I'm not going to be active until they have a spot open. So I'm just going to, he's going to pay me, you know, a nice salary. I'm going to be in waiting. I'm throwing bullpens. Everything's good. I show that I'm healthy, obviously. Um, Finally, they activate me and I do well. And I actually pitch against my, Former team in the Dominican that I played for four seasons with. And I shove it. I just shoved it up their butt. Like, <laughs> I pitched really well. Got got them all out. I'm throwing hard. Like, everything's going well. And Manny comes in. And, you know, they pull me in. Um, I hadn't given up. I gave up one run in seven innings. So, I, I have a one ERA, which is really good for a pitcher. Um Pulls me and is like, hey, we're just losing, and we're losing all the time. We need to get some more offense. You're just low on the totem pole. We're going to let you go. So they let me go. I go home. I get a call the very next day from the team in Monterey, Mexico. Hey, are you ready to pitch? And I said, yes. Yes, I am. So I was home for one day. So I, I woke up in the Dominican Republic. <laughs> I went to sleep in Copley, Ohio. I woke up in Copley, Ohio. I went to sleep in Monterey, Mexico. <laughs> I go to Monterey, Mexico, and I'm, I'm the closer. Well, set up, man, and I dominate. I dominate the whole season. I give up one run in 21 innings, 22 innings. I gave up one run. And I was their guy. And we made it to the playoffs. And that's when I threw my last pitches. That was the last for me before I decided to retire. But I went out in Mexico, in Latin America, where baseball to me. Were were honestly, you've had the most fun playing. The most fun I've ever had playing in my entire life was in Mexico and the Dominican Republic. Those two places baseball is completely different than anything you've ever watched or ever witnessed live here in the United States. It's just different. The atmosphere is different. It's better. 
Well, they're very it's, passionate people, and they really latch onto that game. They, they absolutely, especially in the Dominican. So, like staying at the hotel, the uh, the waitresses and the waiters they know you because you're you're first of all you stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, uh, I'm a gringo, and I'm down there every morning for breakfast, and I get to know them, and they know me. They of know my order. Like, Everybody's talking, they're great. hanging out. Yeah, and I'm okay with the language. Um, but if we lost against our rival during the season, they didn't know me. They didn't know who I was. Yeah. They would turn their nose up and walk the other way. But if we beat our rival, they roll They're out your the best red. Friend. They're your best they, friend. They roll out the red carpet and they, <laughs> oh, you want this, this, this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how passionate yeah. those fans are with their teams. And that's how passionate they are in games that don't matter. Like in Mexico, they play a full summer season. They're that passionate from game one. They play 130 games. They're that passionate for 130 games. Dominican, you know, it's 50 games. That's a short winter season. But that's how passionate they really are. You know, we don't have that here. Yeah, you have your diehard fans, but they're not as as enthusiastic. No. As it's Latin not America. as live or die. Yes. Yes. Like to them, like, you know, it's everything. It's everything. So, so, so what year is this? This is the winter of 2019 and spring of 20, 2020. Okay. So, so this you, is before you, the pandemic. Of course. But you're, you're finishing up your, your last year really playing and then you decide <laughs> you're going to retire. Now, did you I was make kind that? Of, I didn't make that decision. Because nobody so, just pick you up then from after that. No, actually. So, finished on a high and and I'm ready to go play more. Like we got knocked out of the playoffs um and whatever. I got um signed to go play for the High Point Rockers, which is a team in the league that I was with with York. York couldn't sign me. He didn't want to sign me. He said I got these other guys coming in. Um but High Point wanted to sign me. So I signed a contract with them. The pandemic hits. Everything is shut down. Like everybody knows, we're all stuck at home. Nobody's doing anything. There's no sports. There's no anything. I mean, the MLB finally came together and was able to play games with no fans, um, you know, during that season. But there was no minor leagues. There was no nothing. I'm working at Sam's Club as a meat cutter, as, as a butcher, because I need Cause again, to again, got to pay the bills. Got to pay the bills, you know. Um, one of the most fun jobs I ever had. It was uh, it was awesome. I learned a lot of life lessons about like you know meat and stuff that we eat, you know, and whatnot. So well, and, the and, smart people eat meat. <laughs> the right, crazy right. people don't. Well, to each your own. But yes and no. <laughs> like, beef, especially, is like one of the most nutrient dense foods in the world. It. I love like, it. Like, how do you not eat beef? I don't understand. I, I love whatever. it. I'm with you. I love it. But anyways, um, yeah. So I did that, and then comes the off season. Nobody plays. Mexico didn't play their season for the first time in like 98 years. 99 years was the first time they didn't have a summer season. Well, it was sold to us that we were all going to die and it's going to be horrible and this and that. We all realized a couple years later it's all fucking bullshit. But Absolutely. But still. Dominican didn't play. Nobody played. So that off season, you know, I'm still just working. Um, But I'm still in contact with High Point. I'm signed to go play with them in 2021. You know, I was still throwing all through 2020 to stay sharp, to stay like active and whatever. And how old are you at 2021? How I was 34, 
35, 36. Okay. So there. nearing the end of your livelihood, but still probably a couple of good years left. Absolutely. Like I still think I can pitch at a very high level. I'm still able to consistently throw mid-90s. I'm still able to consistently hit 94 to 96 consistently. And, um, you know, I'm just a much smarter pitcher now. Like my numbers, you know, from 2016 to the end of my career were phenomenal. Yeah. Just everything. Great. Yeah. Um, I mean, dare I say, if with the Seattle, I fucked you over and said you were too old, right? If you'd have been with them, like your numbers would have been the same in the pros that they were everywhere else, because you were seeing top talent. You weren't seeing schmucks. Exactly. Exactly. You know? So I it, it would have been out. the same, and you would have been right. a very well-paid, known pitcher. Absolutely. In hindsight, yes. Um, but yeah, I I was signed with them. I was actually offered a management position with Sam's club, but then I had been applying for a long time to get into the job that I have now through, uh, my wife works for travelers insurance. So I had been applying for a long time to get into the job that I have where I'm a catastrophic property adjuster, where you get sent all over the country to assess property damage, um, because I can handle the travel. I've done it. I lived it. I've done it for 16 seasons. I can do this, you know, do that. But Vivian actually did that job temporarily for three weeks when they had that big Texas freeze um, in 2020 or 2021. Sorry. Yeah. 2021, they had that big Texas freeze in Houston and Dallas and that where they couldn't, you know, their infrastructure was basically destroyed. Yeah, I've got family down there, and it was a shit show. Yeah, so she did that job, what I do, for three weeks, and she said, you are cut out for this. Like, So we just start applying to everything. Trying to think of life after baseball, because you know exactly. you're, you're, you're nearing the end of your career. And, that, and that's where we were doing that. We heavily started applying because we were at the end of the career. And there was... I didn't want to make There this. was so much up in the air, because it's not like, again, like... Seattle had taken a chance on you, and you would have done very well for them. Would they have been like, yeah, we'll keep you on, no problem, don't worry. You'll be a couple more years left, then you can think about it after that. Whereas now you're like, like I've, proven all the, I've proven all these fuckheads wrong, but still, no right. one wants to take a chance on me. i got to look out for me, so i got to look at what I'm going to do after you're, all this is over. You're absolutely right, and that's where I was much smarter about like, hey, I need to have something to fall back on because yes. I didn't graduate from college. I, didn't, I, I left early. You know, my junior season, I left early. I didn't have a degree to fall back on. I needed something. But degrees are mostly worthless nowadays. Anyway, nowadays, but. you're right. Um, but at the time, I didn't. I that's my thought process. I didn't have anything to really fall back on. Can I work at Sam's the rest of my life? Like, did I really? Well, you could, to? but do you want to? Exactly. Did I want to? Um, but I remember getting a call when I'm on my lunch break, actually, and. I was at a phone interview with travelers, passed the phone interview. We set, they set up a virtual interview and I took the virtual interview. I thought I bombed it. I <laughs> <laughs> thought I absolutely bombed this interview. It did well for the first hour and a half of it. And then the last hour was with the director and just thought I absolutely bombed it. And I tell my manager this, to this day, like, I think I, because I, he interviewed me, I, I was like, I bombed that interview with the director. <laughs> but anyways, um, go back to Sansa and, and I, 
you know, I applied for management with them and was going to be given management and then was also going to assign to play baseball for the first time in two years. So I actually had to turn down the management with Sam's and say, hey, I'm going to leave on this date because I've been given an opportunity to go play baseball. That's, knowing, that's my life. Knowing this is my last hurrah, if I don't get picked up, it's kind of over at this and point. And that's what I told them. I was like, this is it. I want to go out and play one last season. And I had told my wife, this is it. This is going to be my last season. And I told my family, this is my last season. I'm signed to go play. This is going to be it. And I want to ride out. You know, whatever happens this year happens. I'm going to go out and play as this is my last. Then I get a call from Travelers right before I'm supposed to go, like a month before I'm supposed to go play in High Point. Hey, we're going to offer you a job. (laughs) And we're going to offer you this. Holy shit. (laughs) A lot of emotions. I, on the phone, said yes without hesitation. You didn't say I need to take 24 hours. I'll call you back like the standard move. Nope. Bro, what are we doing here? Come on. This is negotiations 101. Right. (laughs) But I was just over. You don't say yes at the first number. The first number is not really the number. But it was a number for me. (laughs) (laughs) It was okay for me. Um so I was like, wow, like this is um, this is it. So then a lot of emotions were running. Like my wife and I were, you know, wow, we are transitioning from baseball life to normal life. Because you guys sat down, obviously, <clears throat> and made that decision together and realized, okay, we can either take one more shot at this and then not get picked up again by the majors because now they're really going to say that I'm too old. Or... We can take this great job that's been offered to me. I'm built for it. My, I've been doing the same kind of work anyway, traveling and living out of suitcases mm-hmm. and doing all that kind of stuff. So it's like I can deal with that and it'll be better for our family. We'll be better moving forward, all those kind of things. And plus, there's only a year, maybe two left of baseball at the most, period. Absolutely. Right? Those were That was the conversation that we had. And I said, I'm ready to trade in my spikes and say that's enough for you know this opportunity to provide for our family, to have stability, to have more time spent at home. You know, yeah, I'm on the road, you know, for let's say a month at a time, but I get time at home right after that. There's guaranteed time at home. Whereas before... It was never guaranteed. I was in Mexico for seven months. You know, how easy is it for somebody to travel from the U.S. to Mexico back and forth to come visit, you know, if you have a family and whatever. Um, Because she has a full-time job and has a career. Uh, so this gave us a more opportunity to have more time together. It was just better for our family. So we made that decision this, moving forward. It was time to retire. So then I had to call High Point and say, hey, I've made this decision. I'm retiring from baseball. It is what it is. Like I wanted to give you you know, ample time to find somebody else. Yeah, because there'll be somebody else they can pick up. Absolutely. There's, there's plenty of people out there Absolutely. trying to live that dream. Absolutely. Absolutely. I breathed and lived that dream and I lived everybody's, you know, every little kid's dream of playing a sport. You got paid to play a game that you love, that you're good at, at the highest level possible. At the highest level possible. And I mean, most people, I mean, I I never played sports after high school except for beer leagues and stuff. So that to me is fucking amazing. So I, I breathed and lived that for 16 
baseball seasons. Which I, is phenomenal. 16. <laughs> 16. What's the seasons. average fucking career? Like, I know the NFL was three, three and a half years, I think. Like I that. think the shelf life in the NFL is like, yeah, three, I mean, baseball is probably a little bit higher because there's not as much impact on your body right. and that kind of stuff. But it still can't be much more than five it, years. It, I, was, I would say four to five years. I, w- I would think. It's really hard for somebody to make it to that. When they get drafted, they're given a six-year, like, minor like they're in the minor league you're six years before you become a free agent so it's really hard for a lot of them to make it to that six years that makes sense um you, you were living this for 16 fucking years it's crazy yeah i love it um 16 seasons okay it, uh, according to what princetonreview.com uh the average career lasts 2.7 years in baseball oh wow <laughs> See if there's something else. This one, uh, Science Daily says 5.6 years. That, see, that's, that, that's back in 07. That was a long time ago. That was the year I got drafted. Uh, okay, so let's let's be generous and say four years. Four to six years. Yeah. Four to six years. So, so 16 fucking years. You're a profe- professional. I got paid to play a game for that long. I'm, and and, and I'm got jealous. to travel and got to travel out of the country and live in other countries. Which was some of the best stuff you've ever like dealt it, with. Right? It, That's some it, of the it, best times you've ever had. It, it, best experiences. Do you want to talk about some of that? I know we've like talked about like offline some of the crazy like living stories in Mexico and the Dominican and all that kind of stuff. <coughs> do you want to talk about some of that or? Sure. What do you want to know? <laughs> I like just uh, talk about like what it means to be like a traveling athlete like that for so long. Cause I think that most people would think, Oh, we well, are living in these fancy Ritz hotels and you're going to get like turned down service and all this kind of stuff. And everything's no. paid for and blah, blah. I don't think it's so, like that at all. Um, so the team will take care. They took care of us very well in both, in both countries, uh, in the Dominican specifically, I was in Santiago, Dominican Republic, not near a beach. We were an hour and a half from a beach. We were in the mountains, but the team took care of it. They, they paid for your hotel. I lived in a hotel for three, four months in the same hotel room for four months. And there, how their season is set up is the country is only so big. Um, we could basically go, if we were on the road, we were on the road, we would get picked up from our hotel, go play at that stadium Drive back, drop us off at the hotel. So you were at the hotel every day. So it's not like you were flying around to different cities like in the U.S. Or even You'd Mexico. be staying overnight. Or if you were at a home team, you'd buy a house. You could stay at your house. And exactly. Do that kind of stuff. Exactly. It's not like that. No, it was not like that. Um, and then, I mean, they paid for breakfast. They didn't pay for your food or anything. But when you're on the road, you got meal money. But when you're at home, they didn't pay for any of that. And you were on your own. I assume you don't have a kitchen, so it's not like you're making your own meals. No, you have to go down. I could walk to the grocery store. I'd always walk to the grocery store. Or I have really good friends there that are missionaries. They would come and pick me up. I would do laundry at their house. We would go out to dinner. We would you know, find different places. You know, they're American, but they've been there for hmm, thir- oh, like 25 years. Yeah, they're essentially locals. They're essentially and, – and they actually applied to become locals and they're, they're locals. Um, but they would find all the local spots to eat at and all these different places, which was great. <laughs> um, whereas my wife, you know, who's a, a, um, she's a picky eater when it comes to so, you know, certain foods. She doesn't really like chicken on the bone. She likes 
you know, debone chicken, like chicken breast and chicken nuggets and that kind of thing. That is the only place in the world where she will eat chicken on the bone and love it. But yeah, it's things like that. Like I would walk to a grocery store, buy stuff for the room, but they kept in your little mini fridge because there's no. That's all you got. That's all you got. So there's that. Um, You're not. It's not a fancy hotel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, They're probably not a four star. No. I mean, it it was very nice. Don't get me wrong. And it was clean. And they, they would come and clean your room every day if you would like. But I would have them come like once a week or whatever, change out the sheets and whatever, turned it, you know, turned down or whatever. But um, in Mexico, they would, summer league, they would pay for your apartment. They would take care of the expenses, but it's not like you were living in the Ritz-Carlton. Yeah. Um, You know, I had to go to like the store and buy like ant traps and stuff because i'd wake up and there'd be you know florida palmetto bugs in your apartment and you're like oh shit i'm in a different country if i get bit by something i don't want to go see the doctor in another country exactly (laughs) so i mean it's stuff like that um but they took care of us in, in a sense that they financially took care of us it wasn't always the the nicest places, but we stayed in nice hotels. Um, At least they were safe enough to stay in, right? Yes, they were safe enough to stay in. They provided like your furniture, your beds. They provided all that stuff, like, stuff that you needed that you because like you, they provided Wi Fi because you've got your own place back in Ohio at this point exactly. where Vivian's staying. So it's like you can't have like two places on the small salary that you're making, and and that's so. Th- through those 16 seasons, you know, when you're in the minor leagues, we had that. We would have an apartment or something before we bought our house here in Akron. But I would also have to pay for an apartment wherever city I was playing. Yeah, because you got to be there to play. Right. So, you know, you're always, you know, trying to find a roommate or something to split it with. Or if you're on your own, you know, you got to try and take care of it. You're paying two mortgages, essentially, on a shit salary. <laughs> um, now, where did you play where they put you up, like, in a house with, like, a family and stuff? So, that was when I was independent, independent ball with York, Pennsylvania. Okay. Which was great because you make nothing. So, I thought that was overseas. I didn't realize that was in Pennsylvania. It was in Pennsylvania. Okay. So, you make next to nothing. You make, I mean, somebody that worked at McDonald's. Yeah, but made you're more just money. there to keep playing and hopefully get picked up by scouts. Exactly. That's why you're there. That's the whole opportunity. That's the whole thing why you're there. Um, so, what was great is that you were with host families. And I was with two absolutely phenomenal host families. Um, I lived with Brian and Ralph, uh, Ralph Serpy and, and Brian Tate. Um, they had an unbelievable home there that was actually a national registered landmark. Okay, it's like an old, like a an old house home. that they've kind of restored. And yes, everything. It, it was a historic landmark in downtown York, Pennsylvania, and I had the best setup possible. They, the top floor, um, was basically my own loft or whatever. I had a washer and dryer, shower, um, fridge, coffee, like, and a king size bed. And I was three minutes. It sure beats a hotel room. Yes. And I was three three minutes from the stadium where everybody else was telling some kind of horror stories where they had to drive, you know, to these host families. And there's some, like, and, small back room somewhere. Yeah. And, and, you know, you hear those t- types of stories. I was blessed. Like, those two human beings, like, were the well, best. Brian and Ralph. Brian and Ralph. Shout out to Brian and Ralph. Yes. They were absolutely phenomenal. And then I, I became friends in that with the other host family, um, 
Brantley and Melissa, uh, Missy, Hamby, and we would they would have cookouts on Sundays after the Sunday day games for all the guys that wanted to come over. Oh, nice! Um, like just invite everybody over, invite everybody, take care over. of everybody, everybody. Oh, that's great! And became huge friend, like really, really good friends. Kind of like with the them. hangout spot. Right? Yes. Um, and we liked all the same music. So we became friends that way. Like they would be there, you know, doing their revolution. They were season ticket holders, host family. They hosted like three players at a time. I never lived with them, but I, I was always there. Okay. Um, we went to concerts together. Um, and now he's a really good friend of mine. Like that we're in. Oh, this is your guy. This is my PA guy. Oh, great. That is into bourbon. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. Um, so, so you literally like they, they hosted the team to come over to hang out, to to have like a, a, a fun place where everybody could kind of just get to get get together and just chill and have like a nice place instead of having to just go back to their one bedroom apartment or exactly. wherever little back room they were stuffed in. Exactly. They could just come and hang. So yeah, that's so cool he, that you like so he made would, friends he would, all these years. Yeah, so he would he would barbecue for everybody and make food on the grill, like all kinds of stuff. That's like, awesome. And they would cook for everybody and they were just the biggest sweethearts ever. Like they really are blessings to guys in need because when you're there playing, you need that. You yes. Need, you need that well, you, you family. Need, yes. That's what it is. Like you need that community yes. where it truly is like, they're, they're not just friends now. They're family. Like they're, they're tight enough. They're like, you know, some people say, Oh, family's just blood. I'm like, that's bullshit. No family are the people like, like your friends are the family you choose to love. Yes. Like your blood's a family you have to love. Sure. But it's like I would most of the time much rather spend time with the people that I choose to spend time with, not the ones that I have to just because they're my blood. Right. I still love them. Absolutely. But, but they're not the ones that I choose to surround myself with all the time. And the ones that I do, right. I still consider them my family. Absolutely. And I consider the four of them family. That's awesome. Um, Brantley and Missy? Yes. Shout Brant- out to Brantley and Missy. Brantley and Missy. So, um, But he was always a Scotch guy. Okay. And – I really wanted some Eagle Rare and Blantons or whatever when I was starting off in this journey. And I was like, hey, I know you go to the liquor store. Can you check on these things when you go? And he was able to find them, you know, for me. And then he bought himself some and tried it. And the two of us have been hooked ever since. Yeah. So that's, you know. That's great. That's a story for another day. <laughs> but um, Yeah, I think we'll do that one with Tyler. Yes, for but. sure. Um, but, you know, like that. That is such a great, like, community and family to have people like Brian and Ralph and Missy and Brantley and, and people like that. And they're not the only ones that do that there in York. There, there's a huge group. Community, obviously. Community of people that take that, care of these that players. That open their homes for, play, for, I mean, let's face it, we're adults. Yes. Like, you know. These aren't 18-year-old kids. No, not eighteen year olds. Grown ass men that have families and are, bills and stuff. Who like, are still trying to make it in the bigs and right. just aren't given the right opportunities right. or whatever. So they're doing whatever it takes, and they don't have the ability to be able to set themselves up. They can't afford exactly multiple homes and apartments and everything else. They they can't afford it. Like for sure, they're still chasing leases. their dreams. Yes, and let's say you know you get released halfway through the year, then now you have you pay the. You, you got to break a lease and go somewhere else. And, like, whatever. On. So it, it is a blessing that they they open their homes and they are they have that strong community there for guys. That's awesome. Um. So yeah, like, and that's that's where I had those those host families. That's great. Mm-hmm. I thought I misunderstood. I thought that was overseas, but I love the fact that it's even local. Mm-hmm. So it's like 
people. Like, go out there and support these people and these teams. This is so great. Yeah. Makes, and, it and, warms and, my heart. And, and then there, there's, there's teams also in the minor leagues that do that for, for players as well. Um, good friends of, of my wife and I, she started that host family program for the Lake County Captains, which is in Eastlake. She was like the head, like we knew her from 2008 when she really wanted to start that program and had guys over and I was over there, but she had two players that were always over there, you know, for lunch, dinner, staying, living, whatever, because, you know, face it, guys can't afford it, but we're we're a lot younger then, but. You know, we're more 19, 20 years old. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, she was able to start that program for that organization there and got a community of people to open their homes for guys that couldn't afford it. That's great. Yeah. So even, you know, even more local than Pennsylvania is right here, <laughs> you know, outside of well, Cleveland. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm sure these things are all over. Oh, absolutely. So it's like, you know, like get involved, support it. I, I love it. It's great. Yeah. Uh, so I guess the, the big question is, is like. Do you have any big takeaways or any major regrets with anything that you did? Because, like, for me, it's like things are so crazy. It's like, I mean, I mean, obviously, I know how the story ended. I know what happened. You know, it's like I, I feel like I should be visiting you in this like multi-million dollar house because you, because you made it in Seattle and they took a chance on you and you did great for five, six, seven years and you ended your career and you were good and you came back home and now, now you got like this nice big house and this big huge savings and all this kind of crazy shit. That, that, that's what should have happened. Realistically, Realistically. In, in my mind, it's like, what the fuck are we talking about here? Right. Because you assholes couldn't get over your own fucking egos exactly. and give this guy a second chance who's proven that he fucking deserves it. It's just like, God damn it. But, and, and you and you see these stories all the time. You see those I don't think you stories, hear about them enough. But you don't hear – you're right. That's you the don't, problem. You don't hear about them enough. You hear about the success stories. You don't hear about the near misses. If somebody's gr- gr- like grinded ground. Grinded. Grinded it out for fucking 16 fucking years playing professional baseball, proving that you're the best of the best of the best. You may not have been like the best ever, but you could have made it on any kind of major league team. Get the fuck out of here. You would have done very, very well. And like, and like, if I look back at my career, I was always, and this was historic through those 16 seasons, is I would start off the season a little bit slow, give up a couple runs, whatever, and then figure it out. And then run with it, you know, the second half yeah, of the season. You don't, you don't want to finish early. And, and, and that's exactly what my career was the whole time. Start here, it would finish and end great. Like, and then all well, my but numbers I, but I were but I good. But I don't see how they, I, I just, it doesn't, it baffles my mind that these teams could see this year after year after year after year after fucking year and still not be like, you know what, let's take a fucking chance. What's the worst that could happen? And you still see that today. You still see that even in the big leagues, you get, you, oh man, this guy, you know, such a good clubhouse guy. He's this, he's that. The guy hits 180, but let's give him $25 million. Well, the guy behind him is grinding it out, hitting 300 in triple A, has been going balls out every day and doing extremely well for his opportunity and his chance to not get it. Yeah. That happens 
year in and year out it's, all the and time. I know sometimes it's probably just politics and bullshit Absolutely. and everything else, and it is what it is. If you'd have kissed enough ass, maybe you'd have made it, but that's obviously not who you are and what right. you wanted to do, but it just, just drives me nuts that you were like yeah. fucking 30, you were proving that you were great, everything was there, you were back from injury and everything else, and you should have had like this great career. I mean, you still did. Still did. I mean, you saw an still amazing did. career. But it's like, but it wasn't but it, a major league career. Exactly, it could have been so much better in it major leagues been. where everyone fucking knows your name. Exactly, and it's like, oh god, it's just what well, could right have, there, it, right? It was right there. Um, did I have opportunities for it to be there? Absolutely. Um, but I think you took advantage of those. I took advantage of it mostly. It's not like you blew them with the yips and every, like every. The only every time year. I blew it was with the yips. But but that's but that's one time and you fucking learn from that and you grew and everything else. And exactly. And, and, and like then every I other like like you described it like this is the bullpen of my life. This is this like I've done some great. Like you were showing that you were great. It's not like you went there and blew it cuz like you were meant to right. fucking head case. Like everything tells me knowing sports and everything else like you should have made it. I mean granted you did. You had a long fucking career. You're a professional athlete which Obviously, most people will never be able to say because most people don't make it to college, let alone from college to pros. Right. So get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you know, so it's just, it's, no, you're, you're it's, it's amazing to hear, right. but it just, it just still blows my mind Yep, that those assholes, I like, couldn't get over their own fucking egos to just give you a chance and you would have just an your, opportunity. You would have proved yourself and them right. Yep. Absolutely. You're, you're absolutely right. <sighs> and that's one thing that I look back on too is like, damn, like so I did, I, I did everything I could. Well, like that's the great thing of it is that you went on your shield. Yeah. You did everything you possibly could. It just didn't work out yeah. because of politics and bullshit, egos, and and management, or whatever. And I could live with that. And, uh, but the thing is, like, you couldn't have done anything else. You couldn't have done right. any better as- aside from kissing ass and whatever. Exactly. But that's not going to happen. <laughs> the fuck out of here. Right. So it's like the great thing about that is like you gave it everything you had. You did the best you could. You had an amazing career and a wonderful life and crazy stories to tell, which is Absolutely. fun. And I'm sure we could get into some all kinds of crazy all stories kinds. Of, of bullpen issues and stories in here and craziness and whatever. But we can do that some other time. I was sprinkling in here and there. Right. Look, let's uh, let's let's close this bitch out. Okay. Do you have uh, do you have any closing thoughts that you would like to give to maybe people who? are striving for something, whether it be in sports or for their own careers or maybe just a, their own personal lives, like kind of how, how you kind of kept moving forward through all the distractions and um, – because obviously like playing professionally like that, like not making any money, it's not like you're making millions of dollars. It's got to be so difficult to like, okay, do I just get a job and have a safe, you know, um, what do you want to call it, secure livelihood and career and everything else and – or like, how how did you push forward and move through all those obstacles? Is is that I had this this um, what a lot of people describe? You know, you see it on TV with this player or that player, this famous player or that player. They have this burning burning desire within you. I would say that you need to find that, and whatever it may be, you have to have something that drives you. Whether it be money, fame, sports, your job, status, your local communities, what, commu- yeah, community, anything, like- anything, you need to find whatever, whatever that makes you passionate. Passionate, right? whatever gift that you've been given is to use that for for good. You use that whatever it is that you've been given is to use it and and use that drive to achieve whatever whatever it may be. 
that you want to achieve, whether it, it, you know it's management in your job, it's community service, it's it's whatever. Find that drive within yourself and push it to the limit. Push push that to the limit. That's what I did through my career. I always wanted more. I always I had that burning desire within me to strive for not for greatness but to strive for something better. There was always that that goal of something better. I wanted to be better than what I was today. I wanted that. And I and I do that still to this day like even in my job. I want to do my job better than the next person. I want to do it better because I'm not I'm not ever really satisfied. Not that I, I'm not satisfied. I am. But that inside burning sensation, burning desire to achieve that that betterness is always there. That competitiveness is always there. Like that that physical drive is what keeps me going. Okay. Yeah. I love it. Well, sir, thank you so much. I'm thank glad we you. finally got back together. Yes, I know. It's you know, been like, so I'm, long. I'm sitting here like riveted. Like, I mean, I know how the story ends. It's like, oh, God, tell me what happened. Like, you're going to make it. Oh, my God. Like, uh, oh, man, I could have, would have, should Oh, God, no, it's, it's not even that because you did everything you should have. You, absolute, did, you did absolutely everything. You went out on your shield and it, yep. it didn't work out the best uh, that it could have and should have. But it is what it is. It we is can't what it change is. it now. I can't change it now. And I can only be thankful that I have been given that opportunity. And I made it. I, I, I've been to somewhere and, and I actually looked up this, stati- not statistic, but kind of a statistic. So in the history of the world, I am one of 19,000 people in the history of mankind to pitch in the major leagues. And that's something to fucking hang your head on. <laughs> to, 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 and that's not just a pitch. It's to play in the major leagues. There have only been. To, to play or pitch? To play. Okay. So, so there's even, only been. Not even just pitch. Play. To play. Just to be a, just to be an opera, to step out on a major league field. During a game. During a game. 19,000 people in the history of mankind. Yeah. That's fucking making it right there. That's amazing. So I, I mean, you know, yeah, you don't have the million dollar house and all that kind right, of crazy shit. Right. But. But you know what? Damn, that's fucking impressive. Damn, that, that's that's really cool when you put it into perspective like that. Like oh yeah. That's, holy shit! <laughs> like, I don't know how many x amount of billions of people have been in the history of the world. Yeah. You Not know. to mention how many of them have played baseball at some level, whether some it be level. local t-ball or in the backyard. Right. You know, with their dad in the backyard, yeah. they they played in in high school, they played in college, and they had all these dreams and stuff to you know realize that. Hey, you know, somebody didn't take a chance on them, you know, but thankfully, you know, um, a scout, Derek Ross took a chance on me and I was able to, to utilize that chance to give me a life. Yeah. And then Seattle fucked it up and pissed you off. So <laughs> yeah, take no, that assholes. Cause you, but you, you know, you see, you see now what would have happened, you fuckheads. Right. But even at the same time, I got to meet Ken Griffey Jr. That's cool too. <laughs> you know, I, you know, guy. I had his poster on my wall when you know when I was a kid in my bedroom, and I was able to meet him and talk to him for a good 30, 40 minutes, and got a ball signed by him. Like that to me was was okay. You know, 
getting released by them because I took the positive Again, just out of it. another great experience along this great career that you've Absolutely. had. Absolutely. So fucking amazing. Absolutely. Well, my brother, I appreciate it. This is a lot of yep. fun. I'm glad we finally got this out of the way right. so that we can actually sit down and just bullshit about other stuff. Exactly. <laughs> I could come back so, on and we'll just have you know a good old time. Yeah, we will certainly do a bourbon one pretty soon here with our brother Tyler. Absolutely. And we'll talk about our trip down to Kentucky probably oh, yes. and then just, just sitting around bullshit and having a good time drinking some booze. There so, we go. It'll be a good time. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And we will see you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That was fucking great. It was. Literally like fucking riveted. Like, oh my God, this is oh awesome. God, I'm, I'm almost there. I know, I'm, I, know, I know how this ends. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Absolutely. Son of a bitch. All right. Well, that wraps up another great episode Wow, what a crazy ride Josh's career was. I mean, just the ups and downs and making it and then not making it and then getting injured and then rehabbing and coming back and feeling better than ever and then getting passed on for politics and bullshit and all that kind of stuff and and then having the best years of his career out of um, out of the country, unfortunately. But uh, nonetheless, it was an amazing career. It was lots of fun. Hopefully, you guys really enjoyed that. A conversation I know I certainly did if you guys are still listening to the episode or yeah if you're still listening right now thank you so much for your support it really does mean the world uh, I, I couldn't well I would do this without you guys but it wouldn't be nearly as much fun uh, it's, it's much better to know that you guys are out there listening and and uh, and watching the show grow over the last few months has been really entertaining and lots of fun and I'm getting really excited so please keep doing what you're doing talk about it on or talk about it with your friends share it on social media and please 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 go out wherever you're listening to this and leave the show a five star review to help the show get bumped up in the rankings if you guys have any questions that you want to ask of me or any of our regular guests please feel free to drop us a line uh, you can go to uncensoredhumanity.com and fill out the contact us form or you can send us an email at uncensoredhumanitypodcast at gmail.com and those will land in my inbox and we will get those covered on a future episode well that is all we have time for this week so we will see you guys next time on uncensored humanity